Welcome to Whacker Slaps, where we look back into the annals of 2000s indie music to determine if an album, band, or entire musical movement was actually good or just a product of the hype machine of that time. And like all great podcasts, this is a direct spinoff of an unhinged group text that simply refuses to die. As always, I'm joined by a couple of guys who I'd say know how to dress well. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, he's pretty good. I am Tyrone, and can I borrow your phone to call home? <laughs> no, just joking. My name's Noah. Uh, and I'm Adrian, and this year I turned 36. Damn, it seems it came so quick. And I am Caleb. I shot JFK. <laughs> what? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> the relevance that? of that, well, yeah, they just <laughs> released the... Uh, the <laughs> the documents about it turns out i'm that guy it'll it'll come up later it'll come up later that's (laughs) fucked up yeah it's a little (laughs) easter egg (laughs) did you guys see that movie blonde uh no fuck no i heard that movie's real pro woman (laughs) Yeah. yeah let's just say there's a jfk scene in that movie that is disturbing and sad you're really selling this movie. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. Disturbing yeah. and sad. It's my favorite genre. I don't know, man. We got to stop making disturbing movies. It's just like it doesn't. Yeah, it's not justified. I was gonna make a um a list on Letterbox. So it's called Bleak Bleak Core or like Bleak House uh, <laughs> movies, where it's just like this is just dour for dour's sake. <laughs> Fucked up. Just incredibly sad. Whatever. Yeah, that's like Long- that. Yeah, Blonde was a bummer, especially that JFK scene. Yeah. Well, speaking of JFK and not a bummer, what do we got this week, Noah? All right. This week we got Erica Badu, uh, New America, Fourth World War from the year, wait, is it 07 or 08? It was released in 08. Okay. Early 08. And it's our episode is number 37. 37. Yeah. What can we do for 37? Anybody? Anything? 37. I don't know. I got nothing. That's, isn't that in the film Clerks? I believe that the Dante's girlfriend, right? That's the amount of dicks she sucked on the way to the parking lot. Yeah. Oh, which brings it back to that movie Blonde. Blonde. JF- I was just gonna say JFK scene. <laughs> Both are no, no. you know, two yeah, great of representations of the sex positivity when it comes to women. Uh, yeah. Do better, man. <laughs> it's not feminist to have a woman fuck a corpse in your movie. Well, and also, no, just like- to like make her feel bad about you know wanting to you know give oral sex to men. Uh, you know? Yeah, like- right. Yeah, you, are we still stigmatizing that? If, <laughs> well, if in 1994 were, they were. If you were blessed enough to just received head from a woman and she tells you you're my 37th head, you should be like <laughs> you should be grateful. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Number 37 is better than being number 1. 
I guess that's true. <laughs> Technically. Yeah, that's very true. A couple cool 37 things. Uh, speaking of JFK, um, it all comes back to him. The man behind his assassination, besides me, Richard Nixon, was the 37th uh, president. Yeah. Oh. Southern. <laughs> all comes full circle. That's and weird. it's actually, um, you know, it kind of relates to this too. Like this album is like good use of samples and stuff like that. And like, you know, kind of lead in kind of extra, extra musical elements and stuff like intros and whatnot. Um, so one of the most iconic versions of that is the uh, opening w- sounds of the Black Sabbath, the, the, you know, the triple Black Sabbath song, Black Sabbath mm-hmm. from Black Sabbath on the album, Black Sabbath. Yeah. Well, anyways, there's 37 seconds of uh, church bells and thunderstorms oh, before the riffs cool. kick in. Hmm. Hey, could you imagine if Richard Nixon was in the movie Clerks? I, <laughs> I think it'd go think a little it something like this. Might go a little something. This. Do you know what a snowball is? <laughs> wow. Oh, Are we man. yes ending <laughs> now? <laughs> oh, no. Trust me, we're open. All of the... All of our Zoomer listeners are like, what the fuck are they talking about? Yeah, dude. <clears throat> what is you that? have the movie Navy Seal. <laughs> <laughs> Going deep on these lines. Nice. <laughs> I will say, I think, Adrian, you can vouch. Clerks, the cartoon, better than all the Clerks movies. Yeah, I think, actually, Clerks, the cartoon is probably... Uh, it might be the best thing Kevin says it, ever done. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and it's uh, pretty good. Family Guy kind of just ripped off that first episode, but and all, but also a lot of it too. Yeah, it does. But also, isn't the Clerks episode? Doesn't that have like one of the best skewerings of Family Guy? Ever? Yeah, they shit all with over the, it. with the lottery ball bit. Where it's like, oh, this they is how they write them a, a couple of times. The one I remember is there's like a book that someone holds up, and it's like how to draw cartoons or yeah. how, how to write cartoons by, by Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. yeah, good bits, good bits. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. That's good shit. Good bets. <laughs> All right, we're getting way far afield here. <laughs> okay, let's <laughs> let's rein it in. Noah, what are we doing this week? Yes, well, we got Erica Badu, New America, Fourth World War, New America. I'm your part host, one, Richard part one. M. Nixon. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got uh, yeah part. Okay, Erica Badu. New America, Fourth World War, Part One. No, from... reverse that. New America, Part One. Fourth part World. One, Fourth World War, 2008. Adrian, give us a review from Pitchfork. Okay, so this one got a 7.8, and it was not a best new music. Why the fuck are we doing it? <laughs> I don't think we have a rule about that, do we? I think we've done a lot of BNM. Oh, I see. It's the new uh, woke BNRs. regime here on the show. <laughs> so we have to do one about a black woman. I oh, see. Boy. Not, okay. uh, oh, boy. This was not a best music from Pitchfork? No, it was not. In fact, uh, I don't think it, made, it was even I on think there. it made like the 2000s list. It made the 2000s list, but I don't think it made their 2008 list. They fucked up. This is John Dealman all over again. I'm not going to stand for it. (laughs) Get Um, out. Come on. That's not a three hour movie about cooking dinner for your son. (laughs) Bring back Citizen Kane. (laughs) 
okay. Well, I have a long excerpt here, but I think it's kind of touches on a lot Nixon. of stuff. Do it in Nixon's voice. <laughs> I will not do it in Nixon's voice. Uh, rest in hell, Nixon, and Checkers, his little dog, who I can only assume was a fascist. But anyways, the here is the excerpt from, uh, it was reviewed by Nitsu Abebe, and I apologize if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, but he did a lot of reviews in the in the 2000s. I think he was, uh, he, I know he did at least 50 plus reviews there. As the uh, as a website tells me, and the, he stopped doing it in 2010. So and moved on to I believe the New Yorker, or New York Magazine, or one of those fancier magazines. But anyways, it's a good review, and he covers a lot of what she's talking about on the record. And th- these last couple of paragraphs kind of sum it up. So here we go. It's the personal moments that sell things, even more so than in Badu's back catalog. Credit usually goes to her gift of a voice, which she uses impressionistically instead of composing, but it's always been her keen writing about people that gives her tracks much of their shape. The trumpet comes in at the end of a track called Me, which despite the title is more candid than narcissistic. A gorgeous, sunny, soft little beat over which Badu sings about getting older, getting thicker, having two kids with different fathers. That candor is also a lot of what sells Badu's social concerns, which could otherwise sound like a laundry list of Black community struggles. Poverty, urban violence, bad policing, AIDS, the psychological hard spot of teenage girls, complacency, and get my nihilism versus hope for something else. These things get filtered through Badu's head into real scenery instead of placeholders and folded in among other things that seem remarkably sincere and personal. Mourning for the late producer Jay Dilla and earnest belief in hip hop as a uniting culture and that we is we attitude. Even the beats wind up feeling earnest. The bulk of them are dark, blunted, woozy, and paranoid. The exceptions are light, breezy, calm. But all of them feel like walking out onto an empty big city sidewalk in the hours after sunrise when everything's chilly, dewy, and strange. There are times as the album drags on where that side of darkness really does become a problem, where the record begins to seem indulgent, half-finished, or slapped together. Part of the marvel of it, though, is how she still pulls this off, every bit of it, on sheer baduism. Even when she seems wrong or dippy or maybe a little batty, she's still a ridiculously compelling and likable personality. This is something no one should criticize in music. Recognizable, complex, three-dimensional character. Neither should we be too skeptical about people inclined to laud this as a strong new flash of old-style, socially engaged R&B. Those ambitions are worth praising and those eras worth looking back on, so long as it doesn't come along with the mean-spirited, bad-faith complaint that all of today's Black music is, quote, just about guns, sex, and money. Or with this free-floating idea that the experiences of Black people must always be treated as a social-political issue, quote-unquote. But it is difficult and complicated, and not even in a self-absorbed way. It makes for good, deep records and shows that it'll never start on time. Time is for white people, she recently joked to Blender, one-upping the old line about running on African time. I don't know if we're still voting for public policy based on who we'd rather have a beer with, but it occurs to me that I don't know many people who wouldn't love to grab a drink with Badu. So I think that sums up her character as well as this record pretty well. You know, it touches on a lot of the stuff that she's talking about, as well as kind of the messiness of the record and the, you know, it is very kind of complex and, and, and dense. um, Yeah. I hesitate to use the word difficult because it's not really that at all, but it's, it, it feels challenging. Yeah. Challenging is a better word for sure. Yeah. I I like this review because it kind of harkens back to an era of pitchfork for sure, but other online publications where they 
you know, there was a larger what they call news hole, like the word count didn't really matter. Like things can be a little bit more. Uh, yeah, it could be longer, more drawn out and like, you know, more thought out. I feel like now there's just such a precedent put on kind of being snippy mm-hmm. and, you know, concise uh, for concisity's sake. Getting the clicks. Yeah. Yeah. And stuff like that. And just kind of like moving things along. Um, and, you know, and it's like kind of seen as bad form to kind of just go off on a little bit and, and tangents and stuff. So it was cool to see like a review that's like this wordy, you know, and kind of covers everything. Cause I think it also, you know, represents the album in a lot of way. Cause the albums definitely has a lot of ideas in it too. And as you know, it's kind of dense as yeah. it's writing is. So the review sounds much more high praise than the 7.8 final score that it received yeah but you got to remember that the seven eight that's a consensus from the group versus the the writer themselves Uh, so you know maybe they got some racist people over there at pitchfork back in the day or something i don't know but you know i i I agree i think that seven eight seemed small especially since they gave the next one an eight and you know they're very they're 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 of a piece and cover similar ground I think the second one is much more easy to get into. So maybe that's why they gave it those two additional points. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised that it, it got a seven, eight, you know, and I think that part of part of them re looking back at this record and, and kind of fixing that is putting it on that two thousands list. I mean, it's not, it's, it's pretty high up there in the list, but it is on there and uh, it's, it is a solid record. It is a dense record. It is a heady record. It is a lot, but it's worth diving into and it's worth getting into into these stories that she's telling. And yeah, she's she's complicated and she's a little, yeah, uh, you know, out there at times. And she's definitely said some things that that are controversial. But, you know, that that makes for an interesting artist, as they say here. Unfortunately, some of the things she said is could be considered anti-Semitic and, and you know, that's not completely shocking considering some of the other beliefs she has and explains in this record but uh you know it's anti-semitism is uh, all the rage these days yeah it it's just you know it's uh it's coming back my friends in a, in a big fucking way <laughs> yeah god but you know it it, it kind of it's 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 hard sometimes when when these artists are saying these things or have these beliefs and you know and the music is so good and enjoyable uh it can hard to be hard to reconcile those things but I think it, she generally comes from a place of, of, of thoughtfulness. I just think that she has some, you know, alternate views, let's say that uh, maybe we wouldn't agree with completely, but she's a fascinating person and uh, you know, a very ethereal person. I don't know if you guys have ever uh, seen her live, but uh, yeah, it's, no, uh, it translates. Pleasure. Yeah. We should maybe segue into her deal. Cause this yeah. was like her third or fourth album this is her fourth album fourth, fourth album. album yeah and yeah, i guess uh, we could talk about her deal and then yeah then maybe hit some uh some kind of album history on it yeah sure. she's a soul Quarian. we've never done one of the soul Quarian albums on this podcast yeah that was and, a huge uh, uh huge moment right back in the late 90s early aughts it's a uh, soul Quarian, just like a you know synonym for neo soul or it's a specific collective soul. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it came out of the Neo soul and it was kind of the uh, post when hip hop was so kind of divided with the whole East coast, West coast beef. Mm-hmm. And when the South was coming up, 
So it's kind of like this R and B movement of like people from, you know, Jay Dilla from Detroit, Common from New York or Chicago, Chicago. 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 And so it was like a bunch of Midwest Southern, the roots. Southern, the roots. yeah, Philly, Philly, Eric Badu, you know, Dallas, East Coast, yeah, Eric Badu was from Dallas. So it was mixing Scott, a lot of a whole bunch of a whole bunch of people, yeah. Yeah, Soul Child music, music Soul Child was in there. Yeah. Music um, with yeah. But yeah, it was a bunch of like regional acts coming together to make this R and B kind of slash hip hop was very southern inspired, but yet very much like East Coast R and B hip hop as well. It was a it was a very I to this day a very influential sound that they made i mean jay dilla's beats alone yeah have influenced music for the last 20 years yeah totally and i would also say like that probably has like a live component to it too just like kind of more live um kind of present dustier yeah sound um rather than things that are kind of more uh yeah kind um, of backward looking in a way but not necessarily retro in the way that like the Dap Kings art or yeah. you know the New York like element that. was uh Talib Kweli and uh no Black Star. Yeah Black Star yeah. was amongst the Soul Quarians as well. And then they recorded collectively together though a lot at mm-hmm. the Electric Lady Land studio, I believe. Yeah, I think James Poisner and Quest Love and those cats, I think they were recorded a lot of these albums. Um yeah. I think we ha- we should also mention some of the earlier acts like maxwell and d'angelo and some of those early records that that really opened the gates for this kind of you know yeah thoughtful sure. kind of more yeah organic feeling r&b uh, and, yeah and, totally. and Bilal, Bilal, uh, yes yes and roy, then i would roy hargrove rest in peace yeah uh, would you say the high water mark of this was maybe not the soul Quarian as like an intentional collective but of like what's broadly referred to as neo soul or like progressive soul would be the miseducation of Lauren Lauren Hill. Is that kind of where it yeah, because that album sure. was gigantic. And then I don't know if anything was, you know, I definitely would say like Soul Aquarians was a little bit post what people were calling Neo Soul. Got it. Okay. Because yeah. I more, had more I have of that in my in my notes because that influence. was my kind of entree to to Eric Badu specifically was, you know yeah what was kind of running concurrently with hip-hop and stuff just in terms of like mtv and whatnot was like it was there's a lot of popular like you know newer neo-soul like artists like that we just listen and stuff so it's kind of yeah it was jazzy yeah some of the the main albums would be like the roots things fall apart which yeah featured yeah. eric badu which was kind of introduced eric badu to a lot of people uh, Voodoo, the D'Angelo album. Great. Good one. Uh, Mama's Gun, the uh, Eric uh, another Eric Badu. Common, the, I mean, I'm not the biggest Common fan, but I mean, he seems like a nice enough guy. But He's a good actor. Yeah, I love but, his acting. Uh, he'll, be, he'll be in anything. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's in like He usually plays TV a cop. But it's like, those, yeah. Yeah. Those, He's in a TV show you have not seen right now. Yeah, for sure. Those so early like on records, seventh season. I will say those early, early common records, they got some, bang, some, some bangers on there for sure. Yeah. And then Urban Hang Suite, which I've been getting into uh, a lot more recently. That um, Maxwell record? Back too, yeah. Nice. Yeah, Maxwell's a shit. Um, yeah, looking back, because like, 
when I was a kid, I would hear that kind of stuff. And like, you know, it, it was definitely more like ethereal, like you said, like kind of laid back, like sensual for sure. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I really had the, the kind of vocabulary as a listener to like appreciate that stuff. And like, you know, um, see where it's kind of the strands of its DNA came from, you know, oldies or R&B and stuff that like, you know, I'd listen to you know, with my parents and stuff on, on those radio stations and things. So I don't know, it always just kind of seemed lighter and less, you know, um, forceful and, um, engaging Jazz, than like jazzier. Yeah. Then like, you know, whatever rough riders anthem or like Jay-Z or whatever else I was into with it, but it, it seemed to be in conversation with that stuff. But yeah, looking back now and just, I was like, you know, that shit's like really deep and like really well produced and like, yeah, really had something to say. And it was cool how, they carved a path for themselves, you know, and did it, did it on their kind of their own terms. And I was going to say, at least, you know, you looking back, like, um, you know, like Jill Scott and like kind of the more, it was very feminine too, you know, so looking at like the kind of the female artists who emerged from that, I yeah. would say what was happening also at that time, which was like the whiter and way lamer analog to it would be like the Lilith fair. Mm-hmm. so um as a kid i kind of like maybe i was just a sexist little kid i just kind of grouped all like whatever female singers together but i don't know it kind of had that unapologetically like feminine very like deep um had like an eclectic like you know songs were eclectic about a bunch of different things that weren't just all kind of the you know love and sex or whatever you know it, it went a little deeper it was more about kind of the human experience but I don't know. I, I just thought that was, I always kind of lumped those two things together once for sure. Even as a kid, I knew it was better than the other, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe a little affair revisionism. will have, we'll have a moment. Oh, I think that's already happened. I think, I mean, a lot of those artists, you know, Sarah McLaughlin, what, et cetera, et cetera. I think a lot of them are being right now reclaimed as, as uh, you know, as key, key elements of the nineties. And I think some of that stigma of the, yeah, of it being considered, you know, I don't know, women rock or whatever you want to call it. Like a chick flick. Chick stuff or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, which is just unfair, you know? Well, there was also the whole late nineties kind of flowetry thing Mm. (laughs) where it's like spoken word. Yeah. Yeah. Spoken word, but like with Eric Badu and Jill Scott, people that could really sing mm-hmm. it was like mm-hmm. okay yeah do a poem in a very jazzy yeah. sing-songy way because they had a very like singer songwriter yeah, like lilt to them you know it wasn't yeah. um just thing that was like really even though the production was super good it wasn't producer kind of identity forward yeah. you know these were like individual singer songwriter artists like, and things so they had that um mm-hmm. they had yeah. that going for them too which was and made, then like you know, common in the roots like it's kind of one of the last times where it could be sort of corny in rap. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know, man. I mean, corny Drake, goes a long uh, way now. Drake yeah, is one of the biggest Drake. artists in the world. So. Yeah, Jay, Jay Cole. He's not corny. He's a fuck boy. There's uh, a difference. No, okay, you're right. You're right. He's that uh, what's his name? Boy. The dude. Uh, what's his name? The Logic? Chance the Rapper, dude. That guy's corny as it gets. I no, think that's, that's huge. True. Yeah, that's That's his rap. whole gimmick, actually. Logic, Eminem. Corny goes a long way. You know how much uh, corn true. we grow in this country it's, it's in everything <laughs> even our hip-hop yeah, yeah but i know what you mean it was like you could be yeah sensitive and have something to say and i think where it either got corny or the backpack rap thing where it just got too like you know backpack 
it got oh, yeah it got too like forceful and too direct you know like there was always some kind of cool artistic remove from it but also like having something to say oh um yeah you know um and then it became kind of like a lecture or something like yeah or just became all like kind of like style you know or, uh, okay yeah, yeah, yeah either all style or all substance but like not like not like a tasteful blending of the two i don't know right the you blending the artistry with the the poetry yeah. or whatever and then people started to draw lines of like this is underground hip-hop and then like yeah you'd actually listen to that shit and be like oh it's underground so it's gonna be good but it's like no. they're missing <laughs> a lot of like standards here like you but know, with the soul aquarian good, but... stuff it always had such good production value mm-hmm. so that was there like were, the difference yeah and there's you could tell there was a lot of thoughtfulness put into both the production and the songwriting and uh and uh the performance you know it, it was all very solid i mean you know the roots are one of the most solid bands with a b- bunch of talented musicians and honestly one of the most underrated mcs too i think in all of hip-hop but you know it, it, i think part of that at the turn of the millennium was also just kind of it's similar to where things got in maybe the turn of the the aughts where they, people gravitated more towards like authenticity, excuse me, authenticity, right? Where, where things that felt more organic and felt more, you know, domestic maybe, or things that were talking about more real life stuff felt a little bit more interesting versus like the kind of the, the, more, the flash and the, 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 yes. the bigger yeah. is better of, of maybe more mainstream hip hop well, stuff that was going on at the time. Or that's, that's how I feel listening to this album again, too, a little bit where she sings about songs about, you know, like paying the rent and stuff. Yeah. Like so much of music and musicians and celebrity culture and spawn con on Instagram, <laughs> like so many artists that are supposed to be these great artists are just singing about fucking get the bag and make your fucking money and grind. And it's fucking boring. It's not relatable and it's not interesting. I'm well, sorry. It's there's aspirational, time of, I guess. There, there's trying time to be inspiring, that, so. but it's it's it it gets fucking old. Well, it's just we, like self help bullshit. It's we like, can't have a steady diet of that. You can't have a steady diet of like yeah. grand mentality or whatever. You know, it it just doesn't. You need every. You need it all. And and I think this was a nice counterbalance. I mean, he touches on it on that expert I, re- I read, but it, it it provided a counterbalance to some of that more um, commercial, uh, highly commercialized. Uh, hip-hop and r&b but there's a difference about being like braggadocio about bling and stuff that's clearly like a crazy fantasy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but but now i feel like people are literally doing like ted talks about how to (laughs) fucking invest in crypto and like and plus there's no mystery in artists anymore they're just like no we sell out we we make money that's what we do like that's Mm -hmm. how you do it and i i get it like there's a a movement to make generational wealth like that's fine but like just the artistry of it i think there's something dead in 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 art these days where it's just like everybody's more of a a salesman than they are making interesting music right and then when you listen to this stuff or the stuff that is like from this era or this era minded and it's like yeah it's all slice of life stuff and it's like it's all this like interior you know narratives and stuff and that's that's like that's super interesting that's like reading a good book or it's like reading a short story or like you know watching neorealism movies or whatever you know it kind of has that spirit to it where it's like the everyday and like the tapestry of life and stuff that like everything that comprises that 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 is so rich for text 
And um, yeah, they really brought that spirit into it. And and the other part of this too, that was kind of preceded it, but, you know, it was also folded into this movement was like, kind of like the, you know, the Afrocentrism of like the late eight, eight lady, sorry, late eighties, early nineties, you know, with like arrested development and um, De La Soul and all that, like it kind of took that same unapologetically black like music and, you know, just change the pitch a little bit, change like, you know, the musical influence is all there, but yeah, yeah. set it in its own kind of, you know, its own kind of terms, you know, made it a little more like loungy and like live and, you know, um, the the soul Quarians came out of like the native tongues movement. Yeah. Like, uh, like leaders of the new school and the tribe called quest jungle brother jungle. And those guys were obsessed with jazz and they were obsessed Mm -hmm. with like the last poets and stuff like that. Yeah. Pan-Africanism. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, Eric Badu, her deal is she's awesome. Yeah. One of the most (laughs) accomplished and acclaimed R and B artists of, of her generation for sure. Hey. Oh yeah, most definitely. And yeah. um, prior to this, and she fine. Yo, I mean, a very beautiful <laughs> woman. And and like I uh, will say, even standing like fifty feet, hundred feet away, like it, it, she's yeah, it's an ethereal beauty that that just wow, it's incredible. And she has and like she, a unmatched drip too, like her. <laughs> yeah, her like drip she, is very the funny. only woman that can pull off like a giant cowboy hat, a poncho <laughs> over like some leather you know, whatever. And it's just like, it's crazy. Yeah. It she's all like works. the female George Clinton or something. A <laughs> little bit. Ra- yeah. She's yeah, wrapped. Kind of. She's wrapped. Yeah. Like she's wrapped, she's wrapped in a good like, way, <laughs> but it's, it doesn't, um, like cause some wrapped where it's like, you're literally wrapped in like your, um, scarfed. Up. Yeah. But you're like mm-hmm. contained and you're just like, she's like free flown. She's like draped, but wrapped, you know, it's, very accessorized, but it's like yeah. there's a freedom of movement and a comfort to it. Kind of the uh, the Stevie Nicks school of uh, yeah, but where Stevie Nicks was more minimal, she's like definitely more like you know Afrocentric, yeah. like mm-hmm. um, you know. And the uh, father of her children, one is the DOC, <laughs> legendary, <laughs> legendary of you know uh, death row fame, and no one, one, can, do it, the, no one so can do things. it better. And one is uh. Andre Benjamin, Andre 3000, pretty good taste and creative star of uh, white noise. From what (laughs) I hear, (laughs) he's great in it. From what I hear, they all, they all get along and they're, you know, have a nice little family together. Nice. Yeah. I mean, you would just listening to this record, it it makes sense to that. That's the case that she has. So is sorry, Miss Jackson about her mom. Is that the, is that the urban legend? Oh, maybe. I think maybe. Yeah. Because I he did write it about her, right? I believe that was that was the case. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he may have more than just one kid. I'm not sure. I think he does, but with her, I think it's uh, her son, seven, right? I think that's their child together. Yeah, seven. <clears throat> they got sure. that from uh, George Costanza. <laughs> Which actually, that might be a good segue into the some of the album background here. But uh, before I get into that, I would like to issue a correction from last episode. Uh oh. It's actually more of a uh, omission, I'll say, because uh, as was brought to our attention by our good friend D Max, uh, we we neglected one of the most glaringly horrible oh, lyrics God. on the Interpol record "Turn on the Bright Lights" or "Turn on Your Bright Lights," as Noah called it. Yes. <laughs> uh, 
which is uh, from, I believe, Obstacle, one of the obstacles, right? I think Obstacle 2 maybe, but it goes something like uh, her stories are boring and stuff. Uh, she's always calling my bluff. Yep. So her there you go. Stories are boring and stuff. One, it's kind of lazy to just do compound like <laughs> phrasing like this and this because you like, you know, you can't just think of a better way to say it with one word. So you do two. But well, then yeah. for that second one to be stuff, you can't even, <laughs> which is just like a placeholder. Well, you can't if you're even writing. Yeah. Of, it's like an unfinished lyric because if you're writing yeah. a song, her stories are boring and stuff it's like no like you're boring explain and stuff. how the how <laughs> the story is boring right don't right. just say and st- like i don't know what the fuck you're talking about i don't know this woman that you're singing about yeah. clarify yeah and what makes you so great bro like i've <laughs> you don't got and a lot to say <laughs> and so, shit yeah. would be way more interesting and that's like the same word, but or even like her stories are boring and rough, like right. something like that. Like <laughs> yeah, they're, they're boring and annoying. Like, come on, man. I yeah, that one. Has, what is the <laughs> stuff you're referring to? That one's always been a clunker for sure. And yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that we omitted it, but I believe it's probably because we did not talk about either of the obstacles, if uh, yeah. I'm not mistaken. Or it's yeah. just like it's so obvious that's bad. It's like you don't even like think to that was about yeah. It. That was my 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 call. <laughs> it's just, I think like it's, it's just part so... of the ambient shittiness of that dude's like. <laughs> right, let's writing. move on. Let's not get this bogged down. Yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's get let's move into some album background here. So, there's although a lot I think Badu was on that rap album with him and the RZA, Banks oh, and the geez. RZA. No, I don't think. So. <laughs> Have you guys uh, listened to that yet? Fuck. I oh no I. Uh, I think my ears would uh, fall off. Cold, cold day. <laughs> I erased the tapes. Yeah, um, why can't he erase those fucking thirty-two minutes or whatever, <laughs> twenty-six minutes? <laughs> Anyhow, back to New America Part One history. So here's a little background. So New America Part One was recorded from 2005 through 2008 at a variety of studios, including Electric Lady, as we mentioned, in New York City, Luminous Sound Studios in Dallas, Texas. Paramore Studios in California, The Record Plant in Hollywood, and Cosmic Dust Recorders in uh, LA as well. It was produced by Badu herself, along with a huge variety of producers and musicians, including Roy Ayers, who actually gifted her. That's a get. Yeah, so Roy Ayers actually gave her the master tapes for, I forget the, the song that she samples on the opening track, but he provided the masters for them to work on, uh, work with. Mike Chav Chavaria, Edwin Birdsong, William Allen, Madlib, uh, Sarah, Kareem Riggins, Taz Arnold, Georgia Ann Muldrow, Omas Keith, James Poyser, Amir, Questlove Thompson, and Ninth Wonder. So, uh, Oscar winner. Oh, yeah. Oh, great. There's an Oscar winner on this. Probably an EGOT in that list. I don't know. I'll have to look uh, into that. Maybe. But or at least on the way to one. <laughs> uh, Dude, but Questlove yeah. got the biggest short shrift from that fucking slap can we talk about it can we finally oh. talk about it was that because he was went on was... next that was that they were presenting that's oh, what no Chris rock was presenting I, yeah because you don't you don't no one remembers that part of it for sure. yeah that's fucked up will smith give quest love like i don't know nine million dollars one of your islands or some shit give him a piece of uh that emancipation money. yeah i guess i was just gonna say <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so like a, basically a murderer's row of, of producers and and musicians and uh, and and uh, yeah, 
they're just, I mean, Broyers obviously is, is an all-time legend, you know, Kareem Riggins, a great producer, you know, Questlove obviously produced a lot of great stuff with James Poyser as well. James Poyser uh, produced all of her previous stuff, I believe. Uh, nice. And this, this one is the one where he was uh, kind enough to say, you know what, you want to do something different and you want to work with a bunch of different people. So let's go for it. Um, it was released by Universal Motown on February 26, 2008, which coincidentally happened to be Erica Badu's, that's right, 37th birthday. Ooh, 37. Whoa, dude. It's like wow. that number 23. It's like that movie 23, but with 37. <laughs> Wait, John Dillman, 23? No, 23, the, the, um, the Jim Carrey movie? I think it was a Joel Schumacher joint. It's a Joel Schumacher? Wow. You keep seeing 23 everywhere. Well, John Dealman is 23 as well. It's the Michael Jordan of movies. <laughs> the goat. Yeah. Definitely MIQ. <laughs> so uh, it was, as we mentioned earlier, it is her fourth studio album. Uh, following the release of her first three albums, Badu was dealing with writer's block and felt conflicted about her mainstream success. She definitely felt the weight of her status as the, you know, quote, queen of Neo soul. Uh, and she felt that that was kind of limiting to, you know, people pigeonhole her. And to I'm that sorry, I, I apologize to the queen for that. I was using that term earlier. Uh, you know, I mean, she is, but I think I think she's much more than that. And, and definitely albums like this helped establish that for sure. But she took time off to deal with the, her, her writer's block and she also took care for her children. Um, but she did continue to tour through that period. But by late two thousand, or I'm sorry, in late two thousand four, she was gifted a laptop by Questlove for Christmas, and she began communicating, exchanging music with him and a few other producers like Q-Tip and Jay Dilla. And uh, starting in two thousand five, she was started working at her home in Dallas using GarageBand to record her ideas, which her son Seven taught uh, her how to do. She he taught her how to set up a laptop as a studio, and then she basically. Uh, used the computer's microphone to record a bunch of demos, uh, eventually recorded more than 75 tracks, which she explained her process. I could be here in my own space with headphones on and the kids could be doing what they doing. And I'm cooking dinner still. I'm making juices still. And it's so easy just to sing. You got an idea, boom, idea, boom. So I think it seems like this new way of working really uh, helped her open her up to, to, you know, new avenues of songwriting, how helped her like, get those things down in an easier way because you know i as a creative person as a professional creative person like making that process as smooth and as easy and as friction free as possible is is so key so for her to just be able to pull up the laptop drop in a track and then record some vocal you know samples over it but record some some lyrics or whatever and work from that like that's huge especially if you're already, if you're struggling with, with the more traditional ways of, you know, modes of songwriting. Um, but she was inspired by her art chat messages with Mad Lib, Ninth Wonder, and Jay Dilla to get back in the studio. And they sent her a bunch of tracks, uh, which was very inspirational. She said, I started to accept that maybe it's okay for me to put out music and it doesn't have to be something dynamic or world changing. But just as I was accepting that, here comes this burst of light and energy and creativity. And that's the process, I guess, of life. The detachment and the release of something gives you even more room to grow or be creative. And I think that's also true. Sometimes you have to kind of get out of your regular space and your regular headspace in order to, to grow and, and to evolve as an artist. Um, and it sounds like these underground hip hop producers really helped bring that out of her after, you know, a period of, of fallowness. Well, this would have been also like 
Jay Dilla hospital bed mm-hmm. era too. So she's yeah. probably getting inspiration from him. Just like, dude, you got to make music every day and yeah. keep it going. You got to be prolific. Yeah. 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 And his spirit definitely hangs over this record. There's a few references to him. You know, you hear the, the, the trademark Dilla horns on one song and, um, I think he was a huge uh, inspiration to her and a good friend to her. So, um, yeah, just a huge loss. One of my all-time favorite, you know, producers, all-time favorite artists uh, for sure. But with this album, Badu sought to expand her musical palette as well as expose the work of the underground hip-hop artist she loved. And she also wanted to exceed listeners' expectations of contemporary music. So she was setting out to blow people's minds with this. And I think, you know, for the most part, it was successful. Uh, but for the album, she collaborated principally with Questlove, Madlib, Ninth Wonder, Kareem Riggins, James Poyser, and audio engineer Mike Chav Chavaria, as well as members of the musical group Sara, who made production and lyrical contributions to uh, nearly all of the tracks. And as I mentioned, Roy Ayers uh, contributed some music. He's, you know, uh, he's well known and the vibes, legendary vibraphonist. Yep. Vocalist Georgia Ann Muldrow, trumpeter Roy Hargrove, who's another you know classic jazz guy, guitarist Omar Rodriguez Lopez from the Mars Volta and at the Drive-In, and vocalist Bilal. She so this is an interesting process because in, as opposed to like taking the track and working on it with producers, basically what she would do is she took a layered approach. So she would take the track, she would layer on her vocals, her songs, her lyrics. And then the third sort of layer would be uh, any additional music, any additional samples, any additional you know instrumentation she wanted to add. She breaks it down here. Uh, I'll let her say in her own words here, but uh, I work in layers. The first layer is a track. The second layer is the songs. The third would be the musicians who add a certain nuance. And when they play, they play like they are a sample or we take a piece of what they played and we sample and loop it. So it's kind of this sort of collage, piece by piece, piecemeal kind of thing that gets all kind of blended together. And it definitely feels like that in a way. And it's very, it's very dense, like for sure. Like you can hear how it's layered in a lot of different places, but it is a esoteric concept album that touches upon the a variety of social political themes. It concerns a lot of social ills and struggles within the African-American community, explores topics like institutional racism, religion, poverty, urban violence, the abuse of power, complacency, drug addiction, and nihilism in the face of hope. Uh, Badu's songwriting is characterized by stream of consciousness narratives that alternate between deeply personal and overtly political. Um, and she references numerous, you know, esoteric religions, she, you know, the tenets of the five percenters, tenets of the nation of Islam. She, you know, she makes a lot of references to, to different sort of things that interest her and, and um, uh, ways of I'm thinking about thinking. becoming a five percenter. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't um, know if you're being, allowed. <laughs> yeah. Being like, uh, a couple of the Wu-Tang dudes, five percenters or uh, five percenter think- curious. I think yeah, they they definitely dabbled in it. I think they're more of the Nation of Islam heads over there, though. But I can't say for sure. The artwork for the album is interesting. Um, if you look at the cover, it's certainly pretty bugged out. It has an image of Badu with nameplate knuckles and it's giant afro filled with all these sorts of symbols and emblems, including 
flowers, spray cans, dollar signs, musical notes, raids, fists, laptops, turntables, broken chains, drugs, barcodes, uh, handcuffs, and a tuning fork. And a tuning fork is interesting because it actually is a reference to, I guess, when she would get into the studio, she would bring in tuning forks and she would say, we, we want, I want this song to be, to have the resonance of this. And it would kind of set the mood for, for what she was looking for in a way, you know, kind nice. of a, in a meditative way. And then, yeah, so upon release, the New America Part 1 was met with widespread critical acclaim. It landed on numerous best of the year lists, including uh, in the AP, the New York Times, the AV Club, Slant, and Spin. Pitchfork later included it on their 200 best of 2000s list, ranking it at, can you guess what number? I mean, you're probably seeing it here, so maybe it's a bad uh, question, but. Uh, 100. No, it's, uh, it's 69. <laughs> uh that would be awesome but no it's actually number 133 oh um, man you know which i feel like it could be higher but you know it's on there uh and then in its first week of release the album debuted at number two on the billboard 200 chart which i was surprised it was that high uh i didn't think it would be that high but that's a great showing and it was also number two on the hip-hop r&b charts as well selling 125,000 copies in the u.s in the first week her best number since her debut in 97. And by December of 09, it sold 359,000 copies, according to Nielsen SoundScan. And then the album was followed up by New America Part 2, parentheses, Return of the Ankh, which she nice. uh, calls out at the, uh, the end of this record. And it was released uh, in March of 2010. It features material written and recorded at the same time as this record. Although that one is a little bit more mellow, a little bit more... Yeah. Um, focused on on uh some of the more domestic sounds and, and i remember adrian that was your shit i love that record that was a huge record for me i was yeah that was a big car record for me uh i'll touch on that in my history but but yeah i was a big fan of that record and you know i i enjoyed this record as well um nice. but yeah that that's uh that there's a lot more to there's a lot more information i found about this record which was cool um i'll, I'll have a few little tidbits and factoids that i'll uh, go over when we start talking about the tracks but but yeah this was a this you was an interesting love, process here for this one yeah. you gotta love a big album with like a big story and like a lot of inputs you know in terms of yeah. influence and process and everything it's like you know you get those all those great story records and it's like you know it's such like a like a throwback you know this the, feels like a epic album you know the 70s and stuff so yeah yeah this feels so epic in that it's referencing like musical history and it feels of its time with like the neo soul stuff that was ex you know but I, I don't know i think this album is like kind of timeless in a little bit like it totally, feels yeah. very modern and it feels yeah. kind of accessible it is kind of a laid-back chill listen at times even though it is a little chaotic I know mm. she just she's so good at writing and when groove. you when you hear her talk about her process it's it's crazy because you can hear her process like mm -hmm. it, it, you can hear like the nuts and the bolts making it with within the layers and the textures of the album you know and not a lot of albums that kind of just come out fully formed you don't really know how that the sausage yeah. is made or whatever but you can hear all the gears moving and all of it like working together yeah. um and that's and that's kind of in that spirit of like you know soul and r&b is just like it's a lot of point counterpoint and interplay of all these different elements and it's like it's you know it's cool to 
it's cool. Yeah. It's cool to hear all those pieces working harmoniously or not, you know, dissonantly when it needs to be at once, you know, you know, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't often get that. Some things just come out like too processed or like, you know, there's, there's, there's no mystery, you know, to it or anything like that. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of like funkadelic at yes. times where it's very yeah, chaotic definitely. and funky, but then it very much has that mid two thousands kind of, uh, hip-hop beat sound to it Mm -hmm. but then it also like it's very much of a piece with something like there's a riot going on where it's it's chaotic you know 2008 you know it was like right around the time of like economic collapse and stuff so it has that yeah it has that anxiety doom doom and gloom and but also you know signs of hope stay woke and stuff like way before that was such a term she's singing about it i mean some people trace that back to this album like it was used before but like a lot of that term even though it's used derogatorily now like the lineage can be traced back to this album in terms of like popular kind of usage well it's It's, one of those things where like you know something that's emerged from say academics circles or minorities or minority communities or something you know it, it gets mainstreamed and then it loses its what it, it was originally meant and then it becomes mm-hmm. pejorative and that's definitely happened with woke where originally it just meant like having an awareness of this the you know of the the way society is working against yeah. you or whatever and then it's become this sort of pejorative that's like you know yeah. you're just anything that uh, anytime you put anything in historical terms or have any sort of overtures towards empathy yeah forward two years later we got rob desantis as our president um, <laughs> oh god can't but wait no, no it is language, language is always created by artistic people at the bottom working their way up you know people of color and then it immediately gets demonized <laughs> and then people in power use it to increase their power. It happens time and time again. It's fucking disgusting. Yep. Yeah. That's how we need new language. And that's what like music is. You know, that's what hip hop is. That's what soul is. It's like, it's creating, it's creating new language and new art and new terrain for which us to, you know, be human and think so. I don't know. Well, and helping make new life affirming in a way. Right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and th- I mean, in this record, you could write a dissertation on just the myriad things that she's political things that she's talking about. Yeah, the, the, very the, dense. It, yeah, and um, and and it is a mix because if you listen to her earlier records, a lot of those songs are personal, you know, about her her love life, about her family life, whatever. Um, and there's some of that here, but she also expands it now to where she's talking about telling stories about a community, telling stories about people living their lives, trying to, to, to fight against the struggles of, of uh, institutional racism, of criminality in their community, like all of these things that are, that are, yeah, people mm-hmm. face. And it's done with um, thoughtfulness and not, it's not just done with, uh, you know, for shock value or for, I don't yeah. know what, that might be a bad. Extreme, well, it's, it's filtered extreme, through. But- uh, personal experience. Yes, I lived experience. It's, it's filtered it's, through her lived experience. Yes, exactly. It, it sounds more like out of a diary mm-hmm. rather than making like kind of you know I'm going to make a political album. It's like no, yeah. I'm you know a black woman in America. So if I just sing about my experience, it'll be inherently political without you know. So you're heavy, saying the the without, personal it, is political? Yeah, without <laughs> yeah. without being heavy handed, I guess I would say. Right. 
and it's the, not the details um, make it more universal kind of exactly thing. and it's not it doesn't it's not hectoring or lecturing like sometimes these things can be where it no. feels like yeah you're you're sitting and, and getting talked at by a professor or something because of you know well one, one of it one thing is her voice which is already just so you know has such great texture and just such a beautiful uh, yeah. voice nobody really sounds like her no very unique she's obviously in a, as a in a lineage with people like Nina Simone or Billie Holiday and, and classic monumental jazz artists and things like that. But she has her own unique style. You know, you can, you hear one of her songs and it's instantly recognizable as hers. Like she has her own cadence, her own kind of rhythms and, and, and cadence. Movements. Yeah. It's very distinct. And so I think that helps sell a lot of these things and it helps it, it, it I found myself almost not to get into um, history too early here, but I felt myself as I'm listening to the, as I was listening to it, some of those social issues just swept, swept by because I was so into like the, the kind of her hearing her voice and how, you know, how easy it went down. But then you start hearing the words and, and a lot of it is, is dark. It is sad. It is, you know, talking about these, these things that, that, that are terrible in our, in, you know, in, in the country and in, in the lived experience of, of black people and, and other minorities. But the way that she puts it all together is just such a, such a, so interesting and pleasing, you know, it can, you almost miss it, but you, you really, you can't. Because she's, it's, it's so specific and so direct and so, it's so powerful. Uh, the way that she, that it all comes together uh, with, with the production. Yeah, she's a very good uh, storyteller for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I guess oh, wow. you know, should we just get into uh, our personal backgrounds with this, with this, uh, um, this record? You guys want to take a real little quick break, and we'll get into our personal histories with. Badu and uh, this record. Yeah, that sounds good. Definitely. Let's do that. All right. Take a little pause. And we're back and uh, we're talking about our own lived experiences. So, uh, yeah, I I'll go right ahead and talk about my uh, lived experience with this album as I don't have much of a history with it, uh, per se, this album, per se. Um, I knew Erica Badu from you know, watching hours and hours of MTV and BET. I watched them yeah. pretty much equally growing up. Probably probably in the late 90s, early 2000s, I probably watched BET more because mm -hmm. I was just more interested in hip-hop or rap at that time, I guess, was what we were calling it. They also showed more videos than MTV was doing at the time. Yes, definitely. The Yeah, the news hole was way bigger. Um, so, yeah, the, the they would slot in a lot of that soul and r&b of the day along with like you know good you know the good rap and the good some underground stuff some like mostly mainstream stuff but yeah and i, I always thought like i was saying we were talking about that earlier that stuff was like was huge in its own way and it had a lot of crossover with like hip-hop quiet storm r&b that kind of stuff you know um which made it pretty ripe for innovation and collaboration with the uh, you know people from different uh backgrounds and you know musical approaches and everything so, um so i that was cool. And I definitely thought Erica Vadi was kind of at the vanguard of that stuff. She seemed of those artists to be the most alluring and uh, creative to me, at least. And, you know, so I was really drawn to like how like sensitive it was. And I really remember like in a Tyrone as a kid, I think that song was super good and clever <laughs> yeah. and everything. Great. Yeah. That, that was just a banger uh, for sure. And um, yeah, it was just like sensual, but like cerebral too, you know? So that shit was, yeah, it was live too. That was cool. Back then, you know, 
Shout out to the to the live single. You know, live, we don't yeah. we don't get enough of that anymore. There's some classics. There's like that yeah. cheap that cheap trick song, right? Isn't that a little surrender? Is surrender, that, yeah. Is it the Budokan version? Yeah, but they like the main single of it was live. Right. But there's 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 good examples throughout history of the live shit. But um yeah, so yeah, show me the way. Oh, that Simon and Garfunkel song. Um God, which one is it? That starts off with the live crowd. Uh, there's a bunch, but uh but yeah. Yeah, that was a huge, huge hit for for sure. So, so yeah, I knew the Tyrone, and then um, yeah, definitely like that a dope fucking dark ass beautiful song she does on that Roots album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was like that's how I knew her, but I you know didn't really didn't follow her past like you know what I would hear um on the radio or see on on TV. But then I had a reemergence and interest in her when I was doing college radio at yeah, shout out KRFH, Humboldt State. Um, we were we were an AM station as well as um we were like streamed on the on the internet. And um, so one of my classes was creating the news program for it. So it was like a little like our own like little version of all things considered or whatever, or just like you know, it's mostly news, not like human interest stuff. Arab Erica Jr. Yeah, yeah, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and, but anyway, so we had to like you know put a, to put together the packages and stuff too. So we had to have a theme song, or like a theme. So um, there was a few different like we did like we voted on it, and one person in the class I forget her what her name was, but her um deal was uh sports journalism. So she did a bunch of you know she covered a bunch of sports stuff. But anyways, she brought an an Erica Badu song from this album. It was either honey or america promises like so the the bookend song i can't remember which one it was but it had like that like those horn blasts and everything so it kind of had this like kind of newsreel catch your attention yeah for sure um kind of vibe so it fit really well and it was kind of upbeat and funky and everything a little more eccentric um eclectic you know just kind of fit in the college radio so we voted on that and we picked it so i heard that song because we had to like mix it into the um to our episodes and everything so i heard the opening seven seconds oh yeah because we had to do like fair use so we could only use up to seven seconds or whatever right yeah for copyright purposes so yeah. I, heard, I heard that first seven seconds of that song and then again another seven seconds when we like faded out at the end i believe like hundreds of times like every time like that cost us like three days a week or something and it was like we had to do daily news so yeah that song like really stuck in uh my my uh like consciousness nice. um yeah but yeah i liked i liked it i thought it was a funky cool jam uh but beyond that i don't have much of a history with this album at all really um the only other thing i could think of was i remember watching pitchfork tv and there's like a video of her uh walking around naked in like dealey plaza which yeah. is where you know jfk got yeah she got domed video. um i don't know if that's from the same era or if that might have been like later I into, think that into was the from... 2000s I want to say that's from for a single from the second from. Oh, two. okay, yeah. But she got arrested for that or something. Uh, yeah. Well, I think you see that in the in the in the video, don't you? That yeah. cops come up and talk to her, and yeah. I think I believe her sister also did the body double for her. The- yeah, it was weird that video, something about that video I really liked. That <laughs> naked video, I, <laughs> I believe, was the same year as like that Matt and Kim naked video too. There's oh, yeah. naked videos about, going remember on. them? Yeah. Yeah. Matt and Kim are hoodie rock. Uh, <laughs> like 182 had a naked video as well. Yeah. Shout out naked videos. I think Eric. Actually, Badu's I think the Blink the 182 was in direct response to the Badu. 
No, because the that was that, that was, was from like ninety seven. I, I would imagine it was a direct response to D'Angelo. No, her, yeah, video. <laughs> reverse that. I think hers was a response to the book. Yeah, I think it was San Diegan. She's like, I'm just like ten years later, I'm gonna skewer. <laughs> well, that was the big twirls. deal. That was the big deal because it was like, why the white di- dudes didn't get arrested, but Eric Badu oh. did. Yeah, I think she got arrested because it's like at a historical like landmark. And yeah, like, Dealey Plaza. Dealey Plaza, of... where JFK got domed. And so you know, like... and for the big way, like you see naked dudes running down Hollywood Boulevard. That's not unusual. Yeah, you spent any time in San Francisco. Oh man, I can't tell you how many wrinkled ball sacks I saw. Dude, working the too. farmers market in the Casha, the cock socks. <laughs> yeah, them Those fellas, fellas know uh, how to dress. Free and easy. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So that's um, yeah, the college radio, then the JFK assassination naked video. That's 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 my history leading up to today. Very nice. Yeah. Um, I could go next. Just piggybacking off of uh, Caleb. My history with uh, Erica Badu in general, yeah, that Tyrone video, which was so cool, like just a live stripped down video on MTV at the time, it really stood out. And that song was such a cultural thing. Like to this day, people say, better call home, can't use my phone. Like that's just <laughs> like a, that's just in the, it's like in the culture. culture now. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, yeah, like you said, Caleb, the Roots song, the Baby Don't Worry About So it. good, yeah. Which, that's a cover, right? That those lyrics are sampled from somebody Is, else. So, like, an interpolation or whatever? Yeah, yeah I yeah, believe yeah. so. I can't I like remember. that uh, Mary J. Blige. And, uh, I can't remember who does the original. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't remember either, but yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. And then also... I'll throw this out here. I don't know if you guys remember this. This is from the Dredge Report. The, <laughs> the pop, Dregs. Pop culture sediment. <laughs> the Dredge. Blues Brothers 2000. Oh, she plays she's, the... She's the like the main mom. villain. Like queen Voodoo Mama or whatever. Yeah. Queen at the end of that. I bet that was handled uh, very sensitively. Yeah, yes. <laughs> she actually, I, I will say of all of... I mean, that movie is hot garbage compared to the first one, obviously. But that set piece at the end with her, it's actually pretty good. Like it's a pretty decent song, uh, yeah. and and she she performs the hell out of it for sure. That's cool. But... As long as she had some sort of like you know input. And the other big deal I remember about Erica Badu, she won like a Grammy for like Baduism, mm-hmm. and she had short hair, and everybody was like, "Whoa, her hair is fake! Oh, <laughs> she's a fraud!" And it's like, okay, disrespectful to black women. Yeah, have you uh, that's a thing. Yeah. The black like, women, if you pay it's for as it, old as it is your itself. hair. If it's on your head, it is your hair. Like, calm down. Exactly. Uh, but anyways, that, I remember that was like a big cultural insensitive thing. People dogging her for her, you know, hair. But uh, this album, I was all about this album when it came out because I think like 2006 to like 2012 was a great time for R&B albums. Like, mm-hmm. I think there was like a new kind of sound post-Neo Soul, I would say, post-Soul Quarians. Mm-hmm. Like, you had the uh, kind of those early, like, um, the Weekends EPs. And, House of Balloons. Yeah. yeah. The Love Below, which kind of predated that. But Yeah, stuff like, like kind of like a darker Miguel. version of hip-hop. Yeah, Miguel, I would say, was in there. 
you know, before everyone. Sadiq. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. The Ray Ray album before like every rapper was kind of singing, like when there was an R and B with hip hop beats style of an album that was like its own separate thing. And there was like a darkness to all this R and B music, which was, I mean, R and B music is always great. Like from the nineties and you know, we're very lucky. We always grew up in a great era of, of R and B artists, but I just remember in the mid two thousands, it felt like it was like a new thing. Like, because I think they were like, yeah, they were reclaiming it because out. it was going in a pretty, it was albums. Like, yeah. But it was going in a bad direction before that. On but some was, levels, you had shit like Anthony Braxton and like John Legend and shit, and they were kind of like, yeah, come take it over. They're like, oh, we're corny. sensitive, like corny crooner guys. And I think people are like, no, nah, let's fucking, let's, let's, yeah, yeah, let's liven it up a little bit. Let's like have some more. I, don't know, you know, I just feel there was a string. I just feel at the time I was super into like a string of really good R&B albums, like the early Beyonce albums, like Four was a good one. But just that era, I'd say from like the mid late 2000s to the early 2010s was a very good era for contemporary R&B. And this album was certainly one of those that I loved. Like, I just remember the first time I heard the the first track, I was like, dude, this is like a funkadelic, you know, Bootsy Collins intro of a song. I was like, this is like bugged out. I feel like that time too music producers you know you had timbaland and stuff just music was bugged out in the mm-hmm. mid-2000s neptunes yeah yeah early 2010s well because people had mastered the turntablism they had mastered the crate tell. digging and then they had this whole other just world of instruments with like in the last computers five, and everything so it was, it was just the perfect confluence of things yeah in the last access, five years i've never it was like that in the last five years, I never described music as bugged out anymore. <laughs> I, I've never been like, "Whoa, this is crazy." You come over to my place, man. I'll show you some fucked up. <laughs> I know, shit. but I, uh, okay, I should say like, like in a hip hop kind of R and B way, like mm-hmm. a radio way, like a song that's on the radio. Like, I just don't think there's too much bugged out shit anymore. I remember getting into an argument with a homie. And he was kind of riding the backpack shit, just like still holding on for that stuff or like kind of like the live hip hop. That was like post roots mm-hmm. kind of thing. The live. Yeah. Kind of like, I don't know, kind of corny conscious stuff like and mm-hmm. he and I was like me and Nat or whatever. We're talking about like some just pedestrian radio like hip hop songs like a flow rider song or something. And we're just like, dude, the, the beat on this shit is nuts, dude. It's, it's so great. Yeah, it's so it's fucking great. like avant-garde and experimentally it's like yeah but it's on the radio and all this shit i was like yeah but like your shit's using the same fucking like upright bass sample and like you know like the fake like record dust sound and like this dude's fucking i don't know rapping about being a rapper you know it's like you know it's kind of like that shit stayed at that that became stayed at that point but yeah it's like yeah shit that was fucking really popular was going for it yeah but I feel like this album and a lot of albums at the time were they were trying to make really great albums, like an album that sounds of a piece, like it's one hour, you know, 10, 12 songs. And it's like epic R&B albums, like I'm trying to think of some other like there's that, that King King album. Do you remember them? They're like an R&B group. I'd put that oh, in. Yeah. There. 
Yeah. There was just like a lot of good R and B albums. Oh, the Maxwell albums, the Midsummer's uh or Black Summer's Night or whatever. Yes. Um, those were so good. Uh there was just so much good music from the people that were f- around from the nineties, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what was cool. Like Eric Badu was able to transition into the 2000, 2010s. You know, a lot of people he, he can't sustain it, but I don't know. I just always cherish that time and R and B. And this is one of those albums from the yeah late two thousands, early two thousands tens. I just think there was like a good six year run there that I really love. Anyways, that's my history. Nice. Yeah, and uh, I don't disagree with you on that. There is a solid lineup of R&B. I think a lot of it, too, was kind of pulling from from other genres in ways that maybe R&B wasn't, uh, hadn't done before. You know, I mean, this was the era where you would see Jay-Z and Beyonce at a Grizzly Bear show. So I think there was yeah. more communication between those, you know, those worlds, whereas now I think it's kind of gone back to being more compartmentalized and yeah, I think I agree. I think the mainstream hip hop has become more, less, more homogenized and less uh, unique. I mean, there's obviously there's artists that are pushing boundaries, but it's not in the same way as, as these these people were. Oh, it's like um, it's like it's, everything now has to be hyper reactive to everything that's mm-hmm. going on and to other stuff. So it's like everyone yeah. is using the same words. They're talking about like the same shit. It's all just like way too in the moment rather than like you take your time to like be in the studio or to like actually think about how you're going to represent yourself as an artist. You know, it's like now it's just like, let's turn it out and let's be contemporary. Let's be in the moment. But it has nothing, you know, unique or abandoned about it. I think that's just also a natural reaction to the way that music is sold and marketed nowadays i think that's just unfortunately a side effect of the extreme commercialization of everything and uh you know turning art yeah. into Listen, content there's yeah. always gonna be wax and there's always gonna be slaps that's true <laughs> every era anytime i feel like talking down on music i am like i want to get you some uh, radio raheem style uh rings noah (laughs) wax and slaps and one's always fighting the other that's true (laughs) um i'll get into some of my but there was a moment there in the 2000s where there was just killer (laughs) r&b songs like you had to be there it was just just or you could be here now and just listen to the music (laughs) yeah i mean it was still available (laughs) (laughs) didn't go anywhere Yeah, it's it it's different to live in that druggy yeah. shit pre fentanyl so like people were like doing whatever. the weed was just getting good <laughs> yeah and legal in some places like weed had names you know like what <laughs> weed started having names yeah that's when shit got good that shit was good uh, all right uh, yeah so for me with this yeah for me this one um, as we touched on and uh, discussed earlier, I was way into the second uh, half of this two-parter. I think actually technically this was going to be a three-parter, but they never, she never got around to the third part or she abandoned that idea. I don't know what happened there. She but, pulled a soup, John. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I love the second, uh, the second record. It, it's definitely a lot more mellow and a lot more laid back, but uh, getting into that one got me back into this one because I think I had downloaded part one at some point in you know 
2008-2009 and listened to it a couple of times but you know it was it is very dense and I think those first couple of lessons I was like hmm I'm not sure if I'm really feeling this entirely yet so it kind of got backburnered for part two once that came out um, in 2010. Um, I think that both of them were car discs if I'm not mistaken so I would have been jamming to these on my way to college classes and such but yeah I, I did the real I, education was inside your car <laughs> yeah exactly um Dude, adrian i yeah you rode for that album i love the record the onk yeah um, adrian started rocking an onk necklace for a short there's time there's a mini backyard <laughs> bong load car bong loads putting that album on <laughs> Because I was chiller, always man. like, I love the Fourth World War. And you're like, no, dude, onk, onk. <laughs> I'm an onk head. You're it's you know, onk now. You're a fourthy. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but again, I, you know, in that range that I'm talking about, like that killer late 2000s, early 10s. Oh, yeah. Right in the pocket there. R- R&B that was just fucking out there. Uh, but yeah, so like I, I like the record. I thought, you know, it, I, I appreciated the density of it and the production. You know, obviously I was a uh, been a big Bat- Madlib fan for, for a long time uh, and Jay Dilla as well. So I love the production. Um, and, and I, uh, you know, I always thought her voice kept everything together. So I did like the record. I just didn't get into it around that time. It wasn't until later that I really delved into it. But and then you know with with Eric Badu herself, like I just like you guys, I I got into her probably from um, I want to say on and on, Blues Brothers two thousand. <laughs> well, you know the funny thing is, is I've seen that movie way more times than I should probably should have. The strip club scene. It was always on VH one for some reason back in the day. Um, that but, was the first DVD I ever watched. Wow, Blues Brothers really? two thousand. Yeah. I think my first one was uh no what it was either American <laughs> Beauty or Almost Famous one of those two uh, which I rented from Blockbuster which I have a uh, this was framed picture of the Blues Brothers outside my apartment <laughs> our landlords outside? put it yeah, oh, yeah our landlords put like, about, like framed pictures of like rockers and stuff sick dude. In the lobby, it's a rock and roll apartment building. Caleb put up a picture of Erica Badu, and it'd be like, "Wait, what happened?" And he'd be like, "No, dude, blues." It's always been (laughs) thousand. Oh, just like yeah, my joke was to do like my own version of that, but of like Gigi Allen, like covered in shit. (laughs) See if anyone notices. (laughs) Anyways, so yeah, I mean, I uh, yeah, so like I I I was a fan of hers from before, and I loved that. I loved a lot of that neo soul stuff. Uh, you know, I liked. the D'Angelo record and the Maxwell record, as I said, and but yeah, it was it, it really for me it was that part two that 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 did it. But I did identify and I liked part one a lot. It just yeah, it wasn't until more more recently that I really it really uh, uh, hooked me in and sucked me in. But maybe that's a good segue now into our uh, current thoughts. So if you guys uh, want to go for jump it, in? Oh, should I? Going, okay, homie. yeah, bro. All right, well, uh, I'll run it back. Going. So. So Maybe yeah, don't so, worry about it. You already got me. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, so I will say listening now, actually reading about the production, weirdly enough, made it easier to absorb. I don't know if it was because providing that context of how she worked, how she layered things, maybe provide some clarity there and, and helped make it feel less intense and less dense for, for some reason. But knowing that, you know, she sort of collaged and layered it together, it, it, it kind of helped that wrap my brain around it 
Um, and like, honestly, the first re-listen was definitely over a little overwhelming, but not in a negative way. It's just, I think I texted you guys, right? Like this is bugged out. group chat. Yeah. Uh, this is the bugged out in a mellow way, which I think is, yeah, is weird. I think is what is, is pretty good descriptor of it because the songs themselves, like sometimes they will be full of stuff, but ultimately they're still kind of laid back. Right. In, in, like in a weird crossfaded. Way. <laughs> yeah it's but when you get the right when you get it down you get that yeah, ratio yes, the right ratio right. no yes. no cross faded album yeah you don't have to put your like your foot off the bed lying <laughs> on the ground none I of think that that's when You're we good. were when we were being old men moaning about music is different now <laughs> it's not as good when i was young but i think there is the lost art of a cross faded sounding record which i think this album fights I agree, but uh, sub- subsequent re-listens have definitely gone down a lot smoother. And weirdly enough, the more I listen to it, the more it opens up, and the quicker it goes by, which I didn't think would happen. But, but yeah, I I I, I do like the layers. I like a lot of the weird vocals happening in the background, and the fact that she's playing around with like weird pedals and doing weird vocal things, and and putting you know these funky samples you know doing little kid voices sampling you know um, political speeches yeah Uh, (laughs) and then one one last thing i will mention here is even though the honey is listed as a as a track here uh like on spotify and apple music and all of that it is actually a hidden track and I think the art of the hidden track is dead, right? The the I hidden love hidden tracks because you just can't. It doesn't work the same way as streaming. I mean, I guess you can make the last track longer and whatever, and some some records do that. But more often than not, now all of the hidden tracks are just in the track list. So, like you yeah, know, what's uh, your best best hidden track? Uh, well, I can think of a couple, but what um, was the Dookie one? It was like I was all by myself. Green Day, Dookie. Green Day, yeah, they had a secret track on that. Oh, I didn't. I, I haven't listened to that record in fucking ages. So I don't think I've like, ever listened to that. Record. It was like I was out by myself, or is that an Adam Sandler <laughs> secret track? Um, <laughs> the one that comes to mind for me is Nirvana, obviously, yeah. uh, "Endless Nameless," which is another one that they've kind of front loaded now in the track listing for Nevermind. But also the other one that that literally you can't do in any way anymore is the pre-gap you guys remember pre-gap which is where you would you'd have to go you go to track one no you well that too but you could also you'd go to track one and you'd rewind before the track so you'd go like negative like two minutes or whatever and there'd be a secret track or there'd be like sometimes there'd be some dialogue samples or whatever i think i the one i remember the most is trail of dead for that first record or second record source codes and tags yeah source tags and codes if you rewind on that first track you get the full intro song uh track so oh so you get all like the shortwave like radio yes you get all the weird murmurs that piano because i think you can go all the way up like two to two minutes or whatever before then but yeah you literally can't do that anymore and you know it's just a bummer that these uh these interesting fun little pieces of of technological easter eggery you know are just gone because of uh just the way we fucking consume content now where it is just slap it together no, mis- open- no mystery yeah no mystery you know it sounds bad it's just yeah all this history is just a mystery to me 
Nice. Great man once said that. Uh, right. But anyways, who uh, wants to go next? I'll, I'll fucking do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my current current state of this record for me is I dug it. Like, I definitely had the same feeling as like the first time you listen to it. It's a little overwhelming. It's a little claustrophobic because there is like just her process of just layering a lot of different things throwing a lot of different ideas out but it's not in a like crazed way you know it's not just like part 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 you know it's like it's within the track you know like the songs are more or less follow pretty conventional structures just with doing a lot of interesting instrumentation and and, uh production work and stuff so it's not like that kind of proggy indie listen to where it's like literally overwhelming because you can't like get your bearings yeah. you know it's just it's a little cacophonous well it sounds cool. like one song yeah all together yeah. all the songs like, yeah ab- very ab- much yeah absolutely it's it's kind of like that thing where like some music that is described as overwhelming sounds like a bunch of songs on top of one another and then there's other music that's overwhelming is like where it's just one song just keeps changing songs, you know, like yeah. the fucking Frank Zappa method or whatever. Uh, so like, yeah. So this is like, when you first listen to it, you, you do kind of have to get your bearings a little bit about just the, um, yeah. How, you know, layered and confidence it is. So like, it kind of creates a claustrophobic vibe, but I think that's m- maybe by design. Cause that's, you know, kind of like that, that is modern life. That is like, there's a lot, of distraction a lot of energy and a lot of things happening at once uh, it's called bugged out yeah bugged out there you go it uh, doesn't exist anymore yeah <laughs> <laughs> recommend for the bugged out check out my article on medium um but yeah so but as you like yeah on, on the and then or maybe just by like the third or fourth track it, it mellowed out for me just then kind of how my listening readjusted to it and um yeah i thought it was phenomenal like the sessions playing on it is just really really spectacular and it's just buttressed with like really excellent production and yeah it's just it's just really kind of powerful and vibrant and there's like a i don't know it's just like really present like she she's in control of her vocals and how it does all the interplay with all the instruments around it and stuff. And it's just like, it's, it's just so confident and everything. And then, yeah, just like all the different things. And it's just like a work of Afro- Afrofuturism stuff. So it like harkens back to the past, but like looks to- forward to the future um, and like resolves the tension there um, to create something kind of unique and like a third thing. And I always, always like that records that are able to do that yeah and i I really it's a long album and i'm i'm hit or miss about long albums you know um i usually generally like something to be in like 37 minute to 45 minute things so like when it gets closer to an hour i can get a little exhausted but the way she sequences the tracks are just really well done really well great and kind of falling between you know kind of more bugged out kind of high energy bloopy bleepy stuff with just yeah kind of going back to her roots but elevating it a little bit with songs that are a little bit more kind of like mellow bangers and stuff so that like keeps you engaged and doesn't feel like a slog that you know maybe a lesser as album that's as long would feel yeah and just all the 
all just the narrative threads throughout it, you know, about like loss and love and liberation and black power and all those things and struggle. Like it's all, it's all right there. Um, and it's just rendered so well, you know, through next to the lyrics and like what the music's saying and everything. And like the, the sum of all of its parts, like, you know, create a message too, just how like the music is conducted, not just like what's within the lyrics, like how everything is working together and there's still tension and there's still things to resolve musically, but it creates this beautiful vision. So that's like, you know, it's pretty transcendent in a way. And yeah. And I like all the kind of extra musical stuff, you know, the things that aren't quite songs like the skits and the interstitials and like the samples and stuff yeah. like it reminds me of a really great, how really great hip hop albums of like the golden era would always do that. Also yeah. kind of a lost art. now if we think about it. Yeah. But also like, it reminded me of like, you know, how like what's going on or like songs in the key of life or like, you know, as Noah said, like there's a riot going on or, you know, mothership connection or whatever, where, those are like party albums. Those are hangout albums. You feel like you're in the studio. You feel like yeah, you can atmospheric. Yeah. You feel like you can smell the, you know, the weed, you can smell the, you know, you can hear people tuning their <laughs> lived, instruments. Lived in, lived in. Yeah. And that, that's like a really hard thing to create. Um, and I, and I think she definitely creates it throughout. Yeah. yeah in a really, um, careful and considered way. So, um, yeah, no, I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was really, really impressive album. Um, I'm glad I like, was able to listen to as many times as I was in the past couple of weeks, despite its length. So yeah, definitely. Nice. Loved it. Sweet. What's next? You your got current reaction. Yeah, your current, your reaction? <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> I think I've said as much. Yeah. <laughs> I love this album. It feels, I mean, it feels very new. Like, like if it came out today, it'd be, awesome and refreshing yeah i've been listening to this album a lot in the last like year or so it's very good walking around music uh it's been kind of gloomy here in the bay area recently a lot of rain great rain album yeah i just think eric adu is so singular has one of those voices that couple notes in you know it's her and then you also know the production style of the Soulquarians and stuff. It sounds very, very thoughtful. It sounds like, you know, very, a very full album. Mm -hmm. Like what you're saying, Caleb, like it's almost kind of like bursting over, like almost like almost a claustrophobic way or something. But I just think she finds a groove within the first 10 minutes of the album and she just rides it for the next, hour and a half so uh i think it's a timeless album definitely an album that we've covered on this podcast that I'll, i will listen to all the time oh so yeah probably one I of my favorite re re-listens probably one of my favorite albums that we, or just my favorite re-listen that we've done because of this podcast yeah, I agree. I had a pretty blank slate with it too. So that, yeah, it was cool to not even like really for me rediscover it to kind of, you know, discover it. Yeah. Nice. yeah it's, it's, that's always nice. Nice treat. Yeah. that's. I just the, think uh, she has a very, a very good voice and it sounds like her voice. Yeah. At the she same has a time. voice. Yeah. She has yeah. a voice. Yeah. Which I think sometimes is a little out like these days. Like, I don't know. 
I don't know if distinct singers exist so much as they used to. But again, I'm just being a curmudgeon. <laughs> Old man yells at yeah, yeah. <laughs> get, get off my lawn, damn yeah. kids. <laughs> no, yeah. I think you're. Uh, I think that. I think that vocalists like that still exist, and vocalists like her still exist, but it's not. I don't know if they yeah. can reach the same heights in the same. In the well, there's a, there's like a material you know historical explanation for that too. Back. Well, it's because <laughs> like, like Rihanna took the Badu. Artists like this would like play yeah, out live and like do like you know like touring circuits and playing yeah. clubs and shit. Yeah. Now it's like I mean I'm not saying live music is you know still very much alive and like their scenes and stuff active, but like yeah, you would have to kind of like find your voice and like kind of travel to different places and be in different sets and like play with different yeah. musicians and shit and like actually sort that stuff out. But now it's like you just put your shit on TikTok or whatever, and it's mm-hmm. like well, like I. Like so, it's many... compressed and it's like you, there's less of that fucking like yeah. no more paying dues. Yeah, exactly that kind of wor- working it out that you know that um, these artists just kind of had to do or had an interest in doing. So like, I'm not saying one's better than the other, but that's kind of the historical, you know, f- yeah. foundation for like, like yeah, people merge with more unique voices. To kind there's of still like people with good voices. The... There's still people with good voices, but that singular voices I think are. Few and far between these days. Mm-hmm. I mean, who who would even be considered like a great vocalist now? I mean, the vocalist it's either from previous eras, like a Beyonce or whatever. Well, who's on the Voice? Those people, oh, they, they seem to know. No, what but they're, they're just copying whatever some right. YouTube video, like no, that indie voice. There's literally a voice on like competition shows. They're like that. You got that like indie voice, yeah, or you got that rock. Where it's voice. basically it's like, just what? the Billie Eilish fluttery, like uh, <laughs> like that kind of fluttery pronouncing words, all weird. Yeah. Right. Well, Zoomers, hopefully you'll f- save it all. Uh, we'll see. Drew's out on that one. I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, who who knows what those kids uh, with their TikToks and their uh, Instagram Anyways, lives. Let's move whatever. on. That was a terrible segment. <laughs> uh, uh, no, it was interesting. It's it's you know I think we all had very similar uh, experiences with this music and with with Badu and and how much we uh, appreciate and love that her style, her music, her that era, her style. You know all yeah. of that all of that comes is she's, tr- she's like a true individual, and that's like. Mm-hmm. You know, something to be, uh, fight, and, and you know, her complicated for better and for worse, for better yeah. and for worse. Exactly. And that's yeah. something to be, to always be celebrated. And we're glad that she existed in an era where, you know, um, things like this were able to be created and shared with us. Speaking yeah. of, should we, uh, hear some of these? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let's get down. Wacker right. slaps. All right, who's got the first slap? Oh, who wants it? Who's you know what? I'll, I'll go. Fuck it. Song on the album. No, let's, Does anybody let's go. have American Promise? No, but I, I, I think we both have the healer, right, Noah? So maybe yeah. we should start with that. I'll, I'll just start with a couple little tidbits here about the track. So it opens with a snippet from a Malcolm McLaren song featuring world, the world famous Supreme team who are a, uh, uh, I believe a rap radio uh, hosts. So that's that little uh, spoken part that uh, introduces the track. 
And uh, let's see, on, on this track, she makes reference to a lot of different names for God, including Allah, Jehovah, Yahweh, Jah, and Rastafari. Shout out. Uh, love, love all those guys. Shout out, capital, capital G, God. All those uh, beings. Yeah. The big man upstairs, as it were. But yeah, I mean. Or woman. Oh, yeah, or woman, sure. Or they. Right. That would make sense. Or it. Um, oh, that's too far. Or yeah, them, <laughs> reel it back, reel it back, reel it back, <laughs> and then no, she... just like in a genderless, like you know, just it's, it's a sure. cosmic being, right? That could transcends be just a, a being made of gaseous material or something. It could be a what's the one that the atheists like the, the flying spaghetti, oh, spaghetti monster, spaghetti monster, yeah. Atheist stand uh, down. This is an anti-atheist <laughs> podcast. Uh, <laughs> Dude, we yeah. got to go back. Like no more. No religion in public, but no anti. Imagine in no either. religion. <laughs> no, all the religions are good. Oh, every, oh imagine all religion. religion. All religions matter, huh? Okay, yeah, yeah. I see. Oh, um, you know what you're literally saying is a fucking coexist sticker. <laughs> no, I know that is terrible. I'm trying to say like practice your shit because it gets you through the day, but like. Don't yeah, exactly. Talk about it or do don't ask, don't tell. But don't like do do don't do somebody else wrong because yeah, exactly. But like well, you have to that, that's my fundamental problem with I believe with heart like hardcore snotch atheists is ignoring all the social goods like work <laughs> and art that has come out from people who are mm-hmm. whatever spiritually well, my deal is minded. Like you can't throw that the fucking baby out with the bathwater at I all. Was never, like, I was never a religious yourself. person, a religious person per se, but I can never call myself an atheist because I still say like, God damn it. When I'm frustrated, like <laughs> and until I love... you can get that out of your mind, like <laughs> you're not an atheist. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good, that's a good take. Oh man. Um, Christopher Hitchens is fucking <laughs> rolling in his, in his science or whatever. No, He's looking up at us and really just super pissed. Anyways. So uh, on this track, she asserts that hip hop is bigger than many social institutions explaining uh, what she explained as to me, hip hop is felt in all religions. It has a healing power. I've recently been to Palestine, Jerusalem, Africa, and a bunch of other places. And everyone is listening to hip hop. There's something about that kicking snare sound that all kinds of people find meaning in. And I think that's true. I think hip hop has become one of the universal languages for sure. Uh, I mean, you know, when you've got South Korean hip hop, you know, all these other countries, you know, having established hip hop scenes, it's, you know, it's, it's fascinating to see that country hip hop. Oh, from the American South, the country of the American South. (laughs) Well, that's a whole other, it's a whole other beast. Um, but anyways, the healer, I, I like this beat a lot. I mean, it's a Madlib beat, so I'm already kind of pre, uh, uh, preheated for it. I like the laid back kind of how laid back it is compared to the intro. The intro kind of comes out the gate. Like, uh, I mean, we talked about it, but it comes out the gate pretty hot firing all cylinders. It's got that groovy sample. Um, and this one kind of pairs it back and kind of takes it to the mellow direction. And then the other note I had here is it's this song sounds like incense burning. Um, in in a good way yeah Yeah. Uh, because it has this like those like those clanging like i don't know almost 
like uh, relig like buddhist or something religious yeah. like kind of t- uh, uh clanging like bells or whatever it is and then it's kind of like it's more open uh spacious than the other the, the intro track um which i really dig but uh but yeah what are you guys thoughts on this one it's just a groove groovy track i feel like she establishes what the album is going to sound like immediately on the second song yeah uh, yeah 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 it's like laid back in the pocket like you said like the yeah it's, it's it kind of sounds like a nice persian rug you know and like a really comfy apartment in some cool city some cool part of a cool city you know with the incense burning and shit so yeah definitely i, I can see that vibe i can see the beaded curtains now yeah yeah Cool. So I'll I'll just hit this from the intro so we can hear some of that little uh, Malcolm McLaren uh, sample and uh, we'll go from there. So here is The Healer by the one and only Erica Badu. Coming, coming to you loud and clear. Like the range, everyone's attention. So yeah, there you can kind of hear how open it, the track is and kind of get the vibe. It's a little, it's a little bit hippie, a little bit spiritual feeling almost. Now let's get a little bit further here. There's a Dilla reference here that I want to catch. Let's see. I think it's around here. Here we go. Here is more of the healer. This one is for Dilla. Turn that shit up. <laughs> Turn up at home in your headphones too. <laughs> Do yourself a favor. It's one of those turn it up songs. Up, up, Oops. Up. Uh, oh, like uh, Leonard Skinner. Turn it up. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, when you're like that. at a party or something, a bar, yeah. you do the, like, the so pointing, pointing to the roof. <laughs> turn it up, 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 up. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut it off so abruptly there. Let's get oh, back yeah, into it. it here is some more. Uh, ho- hopefully, here's some more lyrics. Hopefully, we get some more uh, vocals here uh, the, towards the end. Uh, here is the heater. We ain't dead yet. We've been living through your internet. You don't have to believe everything you think. We've been. I mean, also, I'm shocked that there's not a anti-vax lyric in there. <laughs> oh, but. I know. I was waiting for it on that one. But uh, she doesn't yeah, talk with vaccines. I think Probably she's. Not. I think she's made some. <laughs> I, 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 uh, okay. I'm not sure about that one, but I think she. She definitely. Uh, she would definitely not be. No, uh, this is a good song. Surprising on that one. Uh, yeah, a great song. And um, yeah, she she talks a lot about, you know, identity and stuff on that track. And yeah, it's just 
it, it, oh, what, what I wanted to say was it also showcases a lot of the kind of effects and stuff that she, they're putting on. Like you can hear the delay there on that last clip that I played and the, you can hear kind of the layering of her vocals and stuff. It's just, it's really well put together and really well done. And obviously, you know, Madlib is one of the best producers. So um, she had a great material to work with. And then, um, yeah, she, she, you know, she really just fucking nails it right there at the second track. Oh yeah. Great song. All right, track. Got, got Long track. Yeah, let's go alphabetical, baby. I really like that song, uh, The Cell. Mm. Shout out J-Lo as well. Um, <laughs> That's a weird movie. Never, never seen it. Is that Vincent D'Onofrio? D'Onofrio. Yeah. Tight. In the mind but, of a killer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Oh, <laughs> yeah, The Cell. I really like it. it. It's a it's a it's a tight song. Like uh, it has just like a, it literally is like a tight song. It's like a tight rhythm. Like the production's super compressed on it, and it's just like it's just like one of those like really contained funky songs. You know, it's like the funk is just waiting to like kind of burst at the seams a little bit, but it, they it's just all held together. It has this like sense of pressure. You know, like a cell. Like a cell's all this like fucking activity and shit happening, but it's all all enclosed. But it, almost like, like a like a creates life song, right or something it's like it's yeah it's very jazzy yeah 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 it's super jazzy yeah. and and it just has like a like a ton of just ton of just like moxie attitude you know um it's like it really kind of showcases her um just confidence and everything and i think that's like really really pretty dope so yeah shout out to cell that's like one of my favorite favorite tracks on here i think it comes you know kind of towards the 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 end half of the half. beginning yeah kind of yeah. half but it's sort of the kind of the start of uh, the the end of side one the start of side two kind of roughly yeah in there. yeah yeah well yeah that's a, that's a bomb track we can start it from uh from the jump and then maybe to hit it halfway through all right uh here is the cell from, from the tippy unless uh you had anything to add there no no play from the tip yeah all it's right. a great uh yeah, it just speaks this out. This album's yeah an hour long, but it's only eleven songs. So like, yeah, they're, they're kind of epic songs. They mm-hmm. they have a lot of parts to them, but I think just the groove goes all the way through, and this is yeah. a great example of it. Definitely, Ooh. definitely. All right, so here is the cell by Erica Badu. Yeah, it's cool. It's kind of has that uh, fucking those like little like synth splashes. Kind of reminds it sounds me of, like, like an Eric B beat. Yeah, but oh, yeah. also it like has like a fucking like jazz fusion, like seventies like yeah. that, that weather report or whatever. Yeah. Like, that roiling kind of baseline. Yeah, clean, very clean like baseline. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Great. And the other cool part is I love, I love, I have a love hate relationship with instrumental dropouts and then like vocals you know mm-hmm. but yeah. this song has like a really good implementation of that it's at the oh, end yeah. yeah and then it just does like the instrumental dropout that part's like fucking really cool hey let oh, the yeah. song play i'll be right back keep going <laughs> <laughs> um 
Okay, so I'll play a little bit from the middle section here, and then yeah. we'll get to that last bit because yeah, I agree. Awesome. I think, uh, well, I mean, obviously her voice helps carry it, but but we'll we'll, we'll get we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll try to get as close to that last. Drop yeah, yeah, it really just kind of speaks to like the attitude and stuff that the song has, for sure. All right, so here is a little bit more of the cell. <laughs> And I think, if I'm not mistaken, that is the other uh, vocalist, I believe. What is her name? Looking it up here. Da, da, da. Oh, it doesn't say, but I believe it's the other the backup mm-hmm. vocalist. There. Yeah, and she totally. does a great, great, great job. Uh, yeah, and there's a, there's a few instances, and I didn't like pinpoint them throughout <laughs> this album of like, yeah, doing like the backup, you know, singer treatment, which is kind of a lost art. You know, that's like you don't get a lot of that. You get a lot of like layering and overdubbing and multi-tracking stuff but actually do it with like somebody following who's like mm-hmm. th- their own voice and stuff that's like a it's a very delicate art you know to do on like a nicely produced album so yeah i'm always always appreciating that when i hear it most definitely yeah um here is a little bit more let's try to get to the drop here yeah towards the end let's try it let's see what 345 gets us so here is some of the end of the cell. Will they ever find the vaccine? Oh, let's back it up a little bit. Hold on. The vaccine. <laughs> yeah, she's she's looking for Will it. Will they ever find the vaccine? Oh, I almost got it. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> third time to third time to try. Back right. it up. Beep, beep, beep. Wait, wait. Back it up. Beep, All right. beep. <laughs> All right. Third time to try. Here we go. so yeah uh, nice i like how go. the bass is the last thing to drop out too That's yeah like... and i didn't realize this but that bass is actually thundercat oh um which i can hear that definitely makes sense now so he yeah. must have been a young cat on, yeah on this yeah how old was he like yeah, let's see. I've been he, one of his first jobs. Yeah, so yeah, born in '84. So yeah, he was in his uh, early to mid twenties there. So yeah, probably one of his uh, early gigs there. Um, very nice. But yeah, very great track. Great, great uh, musicianship on that one, and great vocals. Just uh, nails it on uh, on that one. All right, Noah, do you have another track for us? Yeah, Slapper, I have the uh, third to last song, That Hump. All right. Which, this song reminds me of a, like an outcast song. Like it could have been on like a, a Clement, 
Aquemini or something. Uh-huh. Or yeah, or Stanconia at the time. And then also it's one of those songs where it's kind of like a almost like a medley, a mini medley where there's two parts to it. And I think it really showcases uh her range, Erica Badu's range of vocals. Cause I think she's kind of in the pocket doing a mid-range voice kind of throughout most of this album. But there's times where she really can she belts it out, which is great. The song before it is a melody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Melody's on the mind. She well, yeah, I think medley. there's a couple of instances. So this that, song is kind of cut in half. Yeah. Yeah. There's she does that a couple of times. I think uh there's a song on this on part two as well where it's bisected and uh it, it works uh, weirdly enough i mean it doesn't you know artists try that a lot but it doesn't always work but i think here uh it's actually successful and um yeah i i agree i i like this track i think i had it originally as one of my honorable mentions before i um dropped it off but yeah it's kind of a more funky track uh and then coming towards the end it's it's interesting that it brings kind of a more of an energy to the end, uh, yeah. which I, I always dig when we can start finish strong, you know, but yeah, so let's hear a little bit of this, unless you guys had any more uh, comments. No, no. All right, here we go. Here is that hump. I will go. Let's try. Let's see what we get with a minute in. Uh, here we go. Here is that hump by Erica Badu. Okay, I think I mistook that for a different track, but I really love the funkiness of this one. It's uh, bringing a different energy to the end of it, but it's yeah. bringing kind of more laid back than I um, than those. I think I was thinking the of the chorus. other chorus. Uh, okay, let's see that. Um, but yeah, great, great funky baseline on that one. Just kind of yeah. slinks in there. Let's try about two minutes in. Let's see what we get here. that highlights her voice yeah sorry uh these lyrics aren't sync so it's a little difficult to find the chorus there but on that um little snippet you could hear she's singing about um you know living paycheck to paycheck and kind of mm-hmm. talking about the uh her more personal stuff about uh real life shit um yeah which is you know over this kind of slinky sexy funky beat is very interesting yeah um, the chorus is great though, where it's like "Baby, I will." It sounds very much like a outcast chorus or something. Yeah, let's see if I can find it here. Maybe from the tip. 
from the tippy. All right, let's see. Sorry, this is great radio. <laughs> <laughs> it all stays in. Yeah, we'll have to touch this up. Uh, here we go. That was a good call. That was worth it. She made me a wheel. That sounds like so much like 90s shit. That's like the shit we grew up listening to. Like, yeah. That's it so just hits grimy fucking baby me a wheel. It's like a it's like a what boner jam for sure. Yeah, it's like <laughs> West Coast. Yeah. That's like G Funk. That's G Funk slash Southern rap that we grew up on. We were lucky, dude. We grew up like one of the last eras of just yeah. classic Great. music. And coming of age and yeah, growing up in the 90s and then coming of age uh, in the 2000s, definitely, we were definitely uh, blessed for sure. Although I'm sure kids now would be saying the same thing, but you know, <laughs> actually that's a good segue to the, I think unless there's another one you guys feel really strongly about, I think we can finish up with the last yeah. track here. Let's finish where it finishes. Finish the, it. the hidden track, Honey, Honey, which also similarly has very uh, West Coast vibes with the synths. Definitely. And uh, I think you call it. It might even have though. a small little bit of a West Coast whistle. It definitely has a West Coast yeah. whistle. And yeah. I don't know if that's like a, you know, late in DOC, like, uh, you know, because he's a Texas guy. But well, DOC is like he was a producer, but he was known for like mastering stuff. Mm -hmm. Like he was like the arranger. Wizard. Yeah. Well, arranger. he was like the yeah. song, the songwriter guy, and right? Song he was the writer, one that, but like... could, so he could arrange all the little mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Flourishes. Yeah. But a lot of uh like especially not, not like Houston hip hop, like earlier stuff. And like yeah. other Texas, like it, it was in definitely in conversation with like LA East, like West Coast hip hop. Yeah, a lot of had similar sure. production but this values and like Badu similarly synth heavy. Yeah, totally. Badu feels very much Texas, like Houston. Mm -hmm. It has a wooziness. Like yeah. it does feel very regional too. Yeah, definitely. it has that specific. Yeah, that there's a sort of there's like a, woozy, a yeah, yeah woozy. There's a darkness. There's sort of a yeah, I don't know druggy. There, druggy hazy you know yeah, yeah humid all of these all of yeah. these adjectives which were describing texas hip-hop for sure yeah but yeah so honey great track very funky very sensual a change from the other songs it, it's mm -hmm. not that it doesn't fit in with the other songs necessarily but it's definitely more upbeat and kind of a yeah. uh, kind of a left turn so it makes sense that they would turn it into a bonus track um and actually she kind of end the album right before the track plays with the with a little outro that, yeah um a little callback from reprises the, the reprises yeah. american promise but, but i'd even like realize it was a hidden track until i was reading your notes yeah um yeah. and but you know so just kind of hearing it for the first time and not in that context like i think it it really kind of worked you know mm -hmm. even the, it would be dope to like here it is a hidden track for sure but like it kind of worked it's just like oh here's this other gear i have and here's this other like style that i'm also introducing to this but it's at the end so you don't get any more of it that's kind of a mm -hmm. weird you know flex in a way you know and like um kind of like a 
I don't know. It's, it's a very provocative way to to end the album, you know, by being like, here's I could have also done this. I'm also <laughs> capable of this. Fuck yeah, here's a little, like, here's a little yeah. taste. Yeah, totally. Like but, I, you know, I can still turn out the 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 you know the the funky banger for sure. Yeah, totally. Uh sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Did you were you uh had some something else to add there? No. All right, cool. Um so uh yeah, I'll start this from the uh, the tail end of the of her intro and then into the uh the beginning of honey or the uh, the outro i should say and a couple of little notes here this contains a sample of nancy wilson's i'm in love um which i don't know if you've heard that track but it's a pretty cool track pretty good track from the 70s um and according nancy to wilson of heart no 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 a <laughs> different nancy wilson <laughs> But according to Badu, this song is about a lover, a fictitious character named Slim, who she is mm. chasing. Oh, so sassy, very sassy. <laughs> so yeah, here is a little bit of honey to finish us off here. That's like every Beyonce song. <laughs> I think one of the things about her too is that she makes it sound so effortless. Yeah. Like it's just natural. Like she's just as a performer, as a singer, it just feels natural and feels, you know, like, yeah, it feels easy for her. And, and, it, it, and, and, uh, breezy is the wrong word, but it feels just like, you know, natural and, and good. And I think that's one of the reasons why she's so, you know, she's so unique and interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but let's get a little bit deeper yeah. into this. Uh, here's some more some- of that. Yeah, I have some timestamps. So let's get to about 245. Of course, there's some pretty decent vocals, lyrics here. So here's some more of Honey. Great. Yep. Tight. Right. Sounds like a DJ quick beat. Oh <laughs> uh, man. Yeah. Uh the beats just yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I love that that bouncy bass line too. Yeah. Fucking yeah. Great. Uh great way to end the record. Good Hidden track work. or not. It just fucking works. Great. Good. Great. Good work. Great record. Uh, I hope she caught up to Slim. What's next? <laughs> some point. Well, okay, I was gonna Wait. say uh, the wax section, but my notes say oh, here right, say right. fuck no, that's racist. <laughs> I didn't have anything. Be a whack moment on this. No wax. Yeah, no uh, wax either. I uh, no no skippable whack. and no neither's because yep. you know even if even the moments where this the record is quote unquote difficult or yeah. quote unquote hard yeah. is like no it it's it it still goes down smooth because yeah and it's there for a reason it's not mm-hmm. nothing's 
there's that like nursery place. rhyme part right yeah. which should be Obviously. grading but it actually works for yeah, well, weirdly weird. enough yeah. all right Shout so out, yeah whackless no wax whack less sorry listeners i know you come here for the all wax slaps, and the slaps. no wax yeah it's a rare instance actually no we've had, we've had some whackless albums we've had a few we've had a few we've been yeah. lucky uh we've yeah. also been unlucky to have uh the opposite but, yeah but uh, just yeah. an album full of landmines yeah that's definitely <laughs> happened before um all right, all right so yeah the, what are we uh, uh what are we gonna rate it yeah well i'll go first yeah, yeah i'll go, uh go, go, go. I think, you know, seven and eight's low. Um, yeah. I think for me, this one's, I'm going to put it, I'm going to give it an eight, five actually. Nice. Um, you know, strong record. I don't know. I don't think it's like her best per se uh, necessarily, I, nor is it my favorite, obviously, as we've talked about, but a strong record. And I think it deserves to be heard by more people. I don't, I'm not sure if it's, I think it's gotten a little bit overshadowed by part two and some of her more recent work, but I think, yeah, I think it's as Noah mentioned, it's timeless, and I think it should uh, it should be part of the uh, conversation uh, as as uh, with the rest of her work because it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a, it's a monumental piece of art here. Go ahead. I give it a nine point oh five. Whoa, high praise. Damn. It's not, it's not quite perfect. It's a little indulgent, which makes it kind of perfect. Like, yeah, it's all the elements of a perfect in album. Imperfections, yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. it's perfectly well, imperfect, warts yeah, and all. Most classic albums have warts because they're a little indulgent. Like, you know, but yeah, it just man, I love, I love listening to this album. It's really just a killer groove of an album. Like, it really just flows all the way through. Agreed. which is what i look for in an album yeah um i'm gonna give it a, a nine mm. it's just a really pretty profound statement from an artist kind of at the height of her powers yeah wow, and, i'm shocked that i am the low man on the totem pole here Jesus, yeah Adrian. You know, new wow. year new me um <laughs> and, uh, yeah so yeah um i was trying to like you know kind of be critical and kind of pick it apart but like even like the parts where i felt overwhelmed or like the album was long when you go back and actually like interrogate what that means it's like no there are actually strengths of it so mm-hmm. um yeah yeah no i think it's a pretty profoundly good album well um, so you add that all together and what does that give us well you get a nine because we, sp- we split the difference here so yeah uh, that's, that's well, a nine i agree with that nine that's good. sounds fair nine <laughs> sounds fair uh, uh great cool Whatever, right? yeah. yeah, you know, we're we're speeding along here. You don't have to dwell on. We kind of mentioned what what happened to to the to her artist. She continues to make cool music. Uh, she wears yeah. insane hats. She has got a little cuckoo. <laughs> yeah, well, she, <laughs> she empathizes with it. Not empathizes, right? right. With, Not praises. Em- has uh, empathy has for empathy him. for him. Yeah, exactly. as well as uh, R. Kelly. Yes, um, indeed. Oh, I forgot about that one too. But yeah, and I believe she also uh, sent support to Kanye as well. So yeah, we're going to come out as a podcast. I'm going to speak for uh, me and my co-host here. We do not endorse the actions of neither Hitler or R. Kelly or um, <laughs> yeah. Kanye. Amen to that. So, um, and we're not, you know, simping for them or, yeah. But you know, everybody, she's a, a complicated person, just as we all are. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't really know what's on the horizon for her recently, but um, she's an icon, you know? 
Yeah, I think uh, she released. I think her last release was what, like five, six years ago now, maybe more. Shit, seven yeah. years ago. Damn. Uh, yeah, and she continues to quiet. tour. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, she. Yeah, and as far as singles go, you'd think she'd be like on some more or just features or something. But. She, yeah, I think that she'd be more used more, but I think I don't know. Maybe she's more uh, picky than than we're you know thinking, or 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 maybe she's focused on other things. Uh, but I would love to hear some new music from from her. Oh, uh, uh, it looks like here the other thing she said is she uh, she loves Bill Cosby. So, oof. but anyhow, a great performer, a great, interesting person, and uh, you know, a, a beautiful individual and artist. Wait, Bill Cosby, the bartender, or Bill Cosby, the sitcom star? The Bill Cosby, the sexual predator. Oh, okay, go. Who's Bill Cosby, the bartender? Well, he makes his. Oh, that's a good joke. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. Moving on. 9.0. Yeah, I was moving on this 9.0 album. It's not Sully anymore. Um, (laughs) Has anyone ever seen her live or in person? I have. Walking around Dallas in in the nude, perhaps? As I said, I did see her live. I was at a festival so i didn't get to experience the full you know having to wait two extra hours for her to come on stage but she put on a hell of a show it was, it was ethereal it was witchy it was you know entrancing uh me and emily what were big are big fans of hers and uh, you know shout out uh, girlfriend's corner there but uh she uh, we we had a good time and you know we were uh, both extremely exhausted but we we made it out to to see her and it was completely worth it uh if you ever get a chance to see her just be aware that she's uh yeah she works on a different time frame but um <laughs> hopefully uh if you do get a chance to see her that she she puts on a good show because she did yeah. when i saw her and uh, she's she's entered the diva right two hour mm-hmm. window of a show kind oh, of oh yeah yeah give or take the she Morrissey earned, zone. She's earned the Morrissey that. zone. Yeah, she's earned the that. the Lauren Hill zone. Yeah, <laughs> right on. All right, love it. Nine point album. Noah, do you have a game or some sort of a you know? No, fun we've little... gone too long. <laughs> <laughs> well, I um, well, I think we can, as this is the beginning of the new year. All right, I was just going to ask you guys instead of a game, what? Yeah. What was something 2002, whether it was a new song? 2002, 2022, brother. Annual Nest by Trill Dead. Wow, Wilco, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. No, in lieu of a game, let's do a year-end wrap-up. Was there an artist, either a new release or a reissue or a discovery that you guys liked? Adrian, what what, what was tickling your fancy in 2022? Oh, well, for new releases, oh God, I'm trying to think. Well, I was, I did like that Big Thief record that came out this year with the Alex G record. I've got really into atmospheric jazz this year. Atmospheric, uh, more, more into, no, no, oh God, no, God not the rap me. duo atmosphere. No, uh, atmospheric jazz, like that floating points. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, um, 
God, why am I blanking on his name right now? Uh, Barrow Sanders? Barrow Sanders yeah. record. Yes, yes. RIP. We lost him last year. Rip. We did. One of my favorites of 2021, but that continued in 2022. That uh, might be that the record. best last album that somebody mm. made before they died, right? You know what is also up there is that David Bowie Black Star. Black Star. I was going to say yeah, that's right. that's one true. of his. It's actually probably underappreciated one of my David Bowie albums. But and you yes. know, Pharaoh yeah. and David must. They were probably. They kicked it at one oh, point. Yeah, I'm sure they had a combo at some point. <laughs> they're, kick, they're kicking it now. <laughs> oh yeah, up there in heaven's great band with Jimi Hendrix and Brad Knoll. <laughs> um, and then uh, I I really like this artist Nala Sinefro. Sinefro, I think is how you say her name. But she she put out another record. I think it actually came out in 2021, but it was another 2022 that? discovery. It's another atmospheric jazz record. It's called Space 1.8. Cool. Uh, I believe or Space 1. Yeah, Space 1.8. But it's similar vibe to, to the Promises record where it's kind of uh, spacey, open, a lot of great, great horn work and things. Nice. There's also some Latin kind of ambient artists that I, I got into this year, which was really cool. One called Almanacs and then another that I'm blanking on. But but yeah, I think I just got more into like really kind of atmospheric, esoteric stuff this year or more deep into that kind of thing. I don't know if it's that 2022 was just a hell of a year in so many yeah. ways. So it's ever of, that uh, Radiohead song, Atmospheric Esoteric? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I will finish off now my little list here with saying by saying uh, that I really enjoyed the Smile record, uh, which is yeah. Tom York and Johnny Greenwood with uh, a, a different drummer. I can't I'm blanking on I his heard name. It's good. It's great. And then they just released Brian new... Wilson. <laughs> yeah. They just released a new live record too earlier this month, which is killer. But sorry, I took up a lot of time there. Why no. don't you guys uh, go ahead and drop some Caleb, uh, give us some of your 2022 yeah. sicko well, metal albums that you love. Well, as you, you know what? I was I've asked by yeah, it will I've asked from a couple different parties what like my end of the year stuff was. And I had a tough time this year. I'm like always kind of catching up with stuff from like two to four years prior we're doing digging into 90 shit um so just as a decade for 2022 the 90s was kind of like permeated a lot of stuff so i guess i'll start with like discoveries like this band rex uh numero just really uh released some stuff um they kind of numero's doing this thing where they're looking at kind of like stuff that most people would reductively call emo or whatever but like it's a lot of it's just like slow core and like kind of you know, eccentric indie stuff, but yeah, this band Rex was from New York City, I believe, kind of contemporaries of uh coding and you know, bands like that. Ida was kind of New York based, uh, mm-hmm. kind of slow core bands, but um, yeah, really AKA cool, kind of good shit, yeah, totally the great shit, and kind of just like a twangier kind of take on that, so kind of a little bit like you know, rootsier Americana, if you will. So, yeah, shout out Rex, they had I think they only had three albums, they're all really good. So their self-titled ones, pretty great. Got into that this year. So that was a good, like, kind of rock '90s discovery. So, yeah, shout out to the '90s and slowcore. I've been listening to a lot of that. You know, I have a kid in the house now. He's getting, he's kind of has listening more. So I kind of try to keep it somewhat, somewhat mellow, and you know, kind of calm for him. So, but also, you know, keep it interesting and, and eclectic and everything. So, um, that in terms of Sicko metal stuff. I got to shout out my homie Rory's band, uh, Trevor Fowl. Came out with this album called Onslaught to Seraphin. 
um came out on victus records i believe that's the name of that record they have a lot of dublin um yeah just sicko fucking death metal rips fucking fast as shit grimy as shit tons of different just like fucking nice. layers of nasty ass like dive bomb solos and like, what's the band name one more time triumvir foul triumvir like a charm but foul i don't know what it means i think it's some sumerian shit hey, if it's but, hard to say it's <laughs> good cool. to listen to you know? yeah yeah that shit's really good and really dirty this band discreet they're from austin they're like a kind of hardcore band shout out texas yeah shout out texas yeah they're fucking they came out with this album called this is mine came out towards the end of this record on convol's uh records which is a great hardcore punk record uh album uh fucking label sorry out of uh denver but yeah it's cool it's like kind of side two my war style hardcore kind of like talky and noisy but um nice. yeah it just has fun energetic riffs tons of fucking attitude the dude's like a recovering junkie so a bunch of the songs are about just kind of living depraved kind of lifestyle so yeah nice. a lot of good hardcore punk shit been listening to a lot of that and then i guess um kind of the third quadrant of music i listen to is more you know uh ambient electronic kind of stuff so i gotta shout out one of the goats of that is the klaus schultz um oh, you know yeah. lost him this year too but he came out with a record this year it's his last record ever but dia Syracus, i think it's like dune influenced and he just dropped it either posthumously or like right before he died um and it's his 47th record of yeah. all time Prolific. Um, it's fucking really really good and like the dude is obviously a master of his craft but like i don't know to find new textures and terrain to create at that age and having kind of just pioneered a lot of that sound is like really pretty pretty hard to do for uh you know artist of stature and have something that's like noticeable so yeah it's good it's just like fucking really beautifully moving just kind of just sturdy nice. ambient synth warm synth music yeah so Great. yeah those are good 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 shit and uh All not right. music related but um film related uh the shutter streaming service highly recommend it as well as get on letterboxd cool. give, give us a follow cool. yeah go ahead and follow those are, those are some two good finds go ahead and follow uh the whacker slaps letterbox account we haven't uh got any reviews up yet but we're uh working on we'll be uh getting that in there soon so yeah go ahead and get on that uh, sony pictures classic beat and then we'll (laughs) be turning them out what about you noah got it oh new music shit this episode is way too fucking long uh (laughs) i will say some indie rock always the Blue Rev album, I think it's called. The last Always album. All oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great. It's very, it reminds me a lot of the first um, My Bloody Valentine album. Uh, cool. It's uh, very shoegazy, very weirdo, noisy pop. But the woman has a really great voice. That's a surprise because I don't listen to that much new music. But that was good. Uh, 10, the Hitler wears Air Mace 10 is a classic. It's got Ray Kwan on there and Ghostface Killer. Yeah, a bunch of hip hop. Dude, anything Lil Wayne? Lil Wayne is still featured on like five songs every year. So just go listen to those. <laughs> so he's, 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 
it's amazing. He like tears it up on all of his features. It's pretty incredible. So I look out for him. Look out for shout out Lil Wayne. Um, what else? Reissues. Or as far as discovery, uh, there was a like a live uh what was what's that last one? Oh boy, uh shit. Can't remember his name now. Fuck it. That's it. Go listen to the <laughs> Go listen to Fuck It Live, baby. Fuck it live. No, what was the live track that I listened to? With jazz or something or what? Oh, Thelonious Monk live. Oh, oh, was it the the reissue that got from last yeah, year? That's live one. really yeah, good. Yeah. yeah that, that was that. it. That was it. Sorry That's about that. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Monk is one of my favorite all-time, all-time yeah. jazz artists. But and, check out yeah. the live album they reissued. It's good. Super good. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Great guys. Well, now that we've already gone long, anyways, um, you know, in for penny and for pound. I do this every year myself. I like uh think of like my news resolutions, but I like categorize them. So I always have a musical resolution for the year. Um, so like last year was to, to listen to more classical music, which I kind of failed at. But what are y'all's music? We can go quickly too. What are y'all's uh musical resolutions for the year for 2023? Uh well, I I'm uh Season ticket holder to uh, the Oakland Symphony now. Oh, so nice. just listen to more classical music. I think would be my goal. Nice. And I'm uh, playing piano. Trying to learn piano too. Oh, shit. Nice. Hell yeah. Uh, well, in that vein, I I've basically been picking up musical gear for the past th- three years of the pandemic. Uh, ugh, I can't believe I just said pandemic. Uh, Shout out the pandemic. pandemic. And so now I have, you know, numerous guitars, uh, a bass, some drum machines and and samplers and such. So my goal is to uh, just make start making music again. You know, when we were younger, we would get together and make music pretty often. And it was always a load of fun. Um, you know, no, no stakes, just having a good time. And I think that's kind of uh, where I'm at with with uh, in terms of my music and stuff I want to create is just putting stuff together for my own enjoyment. And, uh, who knows, maybe putting it lending you guys listen to it too but uh we will come out with a whacker slap single by you <laughs> we're putting a marker down now <laughs> the goal is to hit the billboard 200 by 2024 yeah. we can do it we can do it uh so can't we'll get what you what you got yeah um i guess like for me would be to expose my little guy to more like musical instruments and stuff we got him like a xylophone Nice. Um, but yeah, we got him some other kind of noise making kind of instruments recently. So yeah, just you know, I I kind of bought you know ran aground at being a musician. Um, so I you know I'm kind of trying to live vicariously through him. So hopefully you know he gets a feel for it younger than I did. Um, so yeah, just trying to have more of that. And in terms of what I'm gonna listen to more, I don't you know. I've always felt really guilty. I'm not as big of a hip hop head as I would like to be. Um, so maybe I'll try to get more immersed in just the sea of new hip hop releases, you know, yeah. and try to try to find my not that I don't have zeal for it, but just try to be up on it as much as possible and have it be more part of my uh, listening diet than Same. than it has been. Yeah. 
I, I, I think I'm probably in a similar place where you are. I'm kind of stuck in the classic stuff that I've always yeah. listened to a few new things, but I just, uh, yeah, there's so much new stuff out there. It's similarly for me for, with metal as well and heavier yeah. music. I'd like to get back into the, that yeah. as well. Listen I would like to get music. out of that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. But cool. Thanks for indulging that, uh, course, little yeah. new resolution it's, thing. It's going to be a good year, guys. It's going to be a good year. 23 baby yeah and uh speaking of good things ahead our next episode is for the boys for once that's right we'll be covering the junior boys 2004 debut last exit which is fitting because it might result in it being my last exit from this podcast oh we'll see (laughs) (laughs) we shall see but uh yeah thanks everyone for listening it's been another great episode another long one but hey, that's kind of our style at this point. Maybe that's one of our yeah. resolutions. We'll try to trim it down for you guys by like 10 <laughs> minutes or something. No, no promises. No promises. We're always hey. saying we're trying to get under two. Hey, the days, is, you know, days ain't getting shorter. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Length so, uh, is everything. Yep. Size <laughs> matters. <laughs> uh, thank you to Kiki uh, for our slapping theme song. Thank you to Adrian for all your production work. Thank you, Noah for all your insights and keeping things moving. Thank you to the listeners, of course, for checking out our little, little, little uh, podcast here. Um, go to our website, wackerslaps.com. Got a bunch of cool stuff on there, links and such. Make sure you follow us at Wacker Slaps. You can email us on all the socials, that is. Uh, you can email us at wackerslaps at gmail.com. Uh, like we said, we're going to try to get our letterbox going a little bit more. We're going to like we'll do some uh, reviews of indie movies indie rock movies rock movies you know things that fit into our general vibe yeah so thanks again for listening it's uh, we'll try to keep these outros shorter we'll do it all (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) yeah well maybe we should start there so in that spirit (laughs) for Noah and adrian i am caleb this has been whacker slaps and as always the question remains what made milwaukee famous Bye. Bye.